0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Right Turns. It's exciting times around here because, as you know, this podcast has traditionally been bi-weekly. But for the next six weeks, I'm trying a scheduling experiment where I release three right turns on a weekly basis. We'll see what this does to my workload and whether people see fit to support it or not. Maybe we'll do it again sometime when our schedule lines up or, hell, maybe I'll make it permanent. But for now, again, I stress this is a six-week experiment, but... Leading off my accelerated schedule of making three right turns, I have a discussion with Bastiat, a Twitch TV slash YouTube a political commentator. Bastiat takes a pseudonym from claude frederic Bastiat, a 19th century French economist, writer, and prominent member of the French liberal school. Bastiat, the streamer, is one of the leading faces of the neoliberal movement. Neoliberalism is a concept that's been kicking around since the late 70s and early 80s, but has become adopted of late by folks who see the need for a so-called woke capitalism. Neoliberals seem to be huge proponents of free market capitalism, tend to be very liberal on race, sex, gender, and other social issues. But they differ from true fiscal conservatives in that they see the value and even necessity in having strong social safety nets and other political and tax policies ...to benefit people who are struggling. Bastia is a lawyer working for the fossil fuel industry. He's always struck me in all of his appearances as very smart, seems like he has a good heart, and also has one of the all-time great heads of hair. I've been looking for someone to spar with on some of my more lefty and or kind of like, you know, Star Trek Republican kind of points of view. And I thought that Bastia was a very worthy foe in this regard. This is a very long podcast, which Jim has kindly edited down from a pretty freewheeling discussion on Twitch... Uh, There's also some technical issues we had, so the first half of this discussion, the audio quality is a bit iffy, but I think Jim's done a really good job cleaning that audio up and making it listenable, because I think the content is really interesting. It's a very wide-ranging conversation. We talk about the 20th century failures of socialism, if having billionaires and soon trillionaires are a boon to society or a result of policy failure, uh, open borders, immigration, what the future of capitalism looks like, and just a lot more. My first impression is I feel like I scored a few points in the first principled issues, but I thought Bastiat did a really great job of documenting the historical horrors of authoritarian socialism and communism, especially in the 20th century. But what do you think? I'd love to hear at Three right turns at swizbold.com. And of course, on our sub at reddit.com slash r slash swizbold. You can find Bastiat at his home at twitch.tv slash Bastiat. And you can also find him on Twitter at bastia. And check out his growing community on Discord. All of those links are in the show notes for your convenience. And without further ado, here's our discussion. So, I am a former... I was raised very conservative from a very religious, fundamentalist background mm-hmm. in the rural Midwest. And I got into my mid to late 20s and started figuring out things about religion uh, that led me to kind of going away from that. And then... Um, started learning some things about politics some things I kind of learned all along. Cause i I'd, I'd been interested in politics since the time I was about 13 mm-hmm. kind of following things and, you know, started putting things together, like keeping track of like all my political memory about like what side's telling lies, what side's not, where are the scandals stacking up on both sides. How do I feel about something when it happened to my side versus how I feel about something when it happened to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found in the last 10 years, like my politics just keeps creeping leftward. Yeah. Um, and I started uh, three right turns because I wanted to kind of take advantage of the fact that I think I'm pretty good at like talking with conservative and centrist because I have that conservative background.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I understand, you know, what it's like to be called a racist, even though you don't like feel like you're a racist mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> or sexist, if you don't really feel like you're a sexist and, sure. and that confusion. Yeah. Um, but also I, I started to kind of try to figure out what I believe politically, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know it's crazy times and I'm not sure how far left I want to slide. Like, you know, as I as, was explaining to you in our kind of pre pre-show stu- yeah. conversation, um, I, I haven't, I haven't slid off the edge of capitalism yet. Like yeah. I, I still believe in capitalism, still believe in, you know, liberal democracy, et cetera, et cetera. I find that the, the, the communist anarchists, et cetera, kind of an, uh, annoying, embarrassing at times. You think that's but, bad. You should, you should, uh, you should do a
1: Twitch show and, uh, and spend your first three months talking to them and nothing but them.
0: Oh man. Uh, I didn't know that. I just, yeah, I thought um, I, you kind of came on my radar the last month or so because I was yeah. caught you on a couple panel shows mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, my initial impression is like, oh, he's just like a smart right winger. Um, yeah, I think the
1: suit makes it look that way.
0: Yeah, the, the big, I mean, it's 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 a damn shame because I listened to your the surf's interview uh-huh. uh, or discussion, and you talked about how you know you're you're not ready to give up the American flag, and how it still you know want to build a community and and I actually really agree uh, with that myself. Uh, but it is I, I I I hate it so much that like you know when I see a giant American flag, I start wondering like how crazy is this person's politics. But you know you got the huge American flag back there. Yeah. Um, well,
1: I, just to be clear, I've done uh, I've done something to try and separate it. Uh, you see, I've put the Christmas
0: lights around it, so it's very uh, yeah. and the daybed, the daybed <laughs> kind of, uh, But I've been really spoiling for a conversation, and no one's kind of taking me up on it to kind of like um, you know, I guess red pill red pill me against socialism. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. because I think. Uh, and this is something—it's so interesting because you got um, my heart sank when I saw your the surfs discussion because I'm like, damn, that's kind of the conversation I want to had with them. No, but no, you stopped-
1: it's yeah, I'm happy to I'm happy to talk about it whenever.
0: Yeah, but but you also you like stopped kind of like where I thought the interesting part is where it's like mm-hmm. at the end you kind of acknowledge like, well, maybe socialism has some kind of like way far off in the Star Trek type future when we have oh, replication, yeah.
1: And yeah. Fusion- Sure. Yeah. You know, like, uh, well, I, before we get into that, if you could uh, maybe just kind of uh, uh, let everybody know, like, uh, you know, just kind of where they could find you, uh, you know, name you traditionally, go by online, all that kind sure. of basic
0: stuff. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so you can find all my political stuff on right. Uh That's something that uh, me and my partner, mm-hmm. uh, me and my partner started about yeah. three or four m- five months ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for the last 10 years, I've been doing um pop culture commentary on bald right Uh We've had some pretty big podcasts. We had like the largest game of Thrones podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, we cover like those, we just got done covering Westworld. Uh, so if you like my general demeanor and voice, and do you find my political opinions obnoxious, try bald- <laughs> uh, and I go by Aaron Hubbard uh, as a, as a nod to my uh, ex cult background.
1: Uh, oh, now just to be, was it that particular cult?
0: No, it wasn't okay. Scientology. I was, I was raised as a, as a Jehovah's witness. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. And my, my other par- partner that, uh, um, I, I run Bald Move with also former Jehovah's witness. So we okay. both, he's Jim Jones. I'm Aaron Hubbard. We took, you know, kind of, kind of old ex-cult names to, to, to pay tribute to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, without getting too specific about myself, I've got some family that uh, they weren't in, involved in the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, but they were involved in um, in the uh, in the uh, Mormon Church. So yeah, there's uh, a lot of similarities. You know, it's uh, it's it, it seems like uh, uh, you know, it, well, yeah, you know, I, I I I can't speak to uh, uh, to to the religion, uh, really, but I can't speak to the fact that a lot of people who have left it are very vehement about why they left it. Sure. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, I thought it would be cool to talk to you because, uh, you know, I know you reached out and uh, I uh, I appreciate your patience for that because I, uh, I am so scatterbrained, so I appreciate that. Um, oh, no problem. But, uh, yeah, look, I guess for me, uh, I think it is kind of interesting talking about, like, socialism um, as far as the future goes. I mean, the reason I'm willing to concede that is Look, if there's no scarcity, then all of the problems with socialism, uh, you know, do kind of dissipate. Um, like if you, if you have a system that results in monumental waste and inefficiency, but there's limitless resources, uh, I guess that doesn't matter so much. Um, if, there's no, uh, if there's no reason to take anybody's property rights because there's so much property out there that, you know, then yeah, a lot of the, the issues with it break down. But, uh, you know, in the real world, everywhere it's been tried it's been uh, it's been pretty pretty disastrous and and sure. the arguments people make for it seem to be rooted in uh one of two things either one talking about certain capitalist countries that have social safety nets and saying that those are socialist like the scandinavian sure. countries for example none of which actually refer to themselves as socialist some of which have been derided on the far left as being neoliberal um and then two uh you know uh, apologia for the actual socialist countries that uh, you know that demonstrated, and still do demonstrate in the case of Venezuela and North Korea, uh, their massive failures. By the way, that people vote with their feet, and uh, you know people people answer those uh, people answer those charges by occasionally saying, "Well, you know, it's the CIA." Or it's uh, it's American uh, American involvement in one form or another. It's uh, America's refusal to trade with these countries, which itself is a very strange argument. For example, like I've heard people say, you know, Cuba would be great if it wasn't for the American embargo. In essence, this socialist country would be great if it wasn't for this capitalist country refusing to trade with it. You know, it, it, and so a lot of uh, a lot of the arguments for, I guess, socialism, um, they're kind of squishy because uh, ultimately the definition for it is so squishy. You know, for example, socialism used to seem to be defined as not just uh, the workers control the means of production, but a radically different society in which uh, in which the state uh, enforces this situation uh, and in which the state uh, uh, controls the commanding heights of the economy as it did in the, in the USSR and as it still does in some some ways in China. And now it seems to mean to a lot of its advocates just workers at their jobs get a vote. Right. And that, and that, you know, I, I, you know, I hear people talking about socialism. That really seems to be uh, today what they've kind of pared it down to just workers at their jobs, get a vote over uh, where they work.
0: No, um, totally. Yeah. Is, I, that's that's <laughs> been super frustrating for me because I feel like um, a lot of the online socialists and communists I've, I've been following mm-hmm. and uh, seeing debate. They spend so much time like honing their arguments against capitalism to like a razor's edge.
1: Yeah.
0: That when someone says, okay, fine, capitalism sucks, what should we do? Yeah. They completely have, they don't, they don't have any anywhere to go from there. Yeah. Um, but I also think that like, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't agree. Um, if we think that, okay, because I, I guess we'd have to go back and talk about property rights and a bunch of other stuff, because I don't know that you have to have like replicators and fusion and you know, starship enterprise technology to get to like full blown socialism yeah. Um, you know, obviously that would be, you know, the, the, the much lauded, you know, fully automated luxury, gay space communism. Um, but like, I guess it does feel like socialism is some sort of inevitable in game because like it recognizes something essential about the human experience. Um, some inborn sense of like fairness that we all should kind of work and we should all work as a community. You know, we started off as families and tribes, uh, all sharing in the fruits of that labor. Um and like there shouldn't be massive gaps between you know the 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 very poorest versus the very richest of us. Um and when there are those gaps, um it it, it triggers that inborn sense of fairness. Are you aware that like um, uh you know there's this video that goes around sometimes attached to a T- TED talk about the study with the monkeys?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they monkeys don't...
0: are smart. Just, uh, just for anyone that's not in your chat, uh, unless this is like something that comes up every week. Yeah, sure. Um, and I don't think it's something I talked about a podcast, but they've mm-hmm. got this. Uh, you, you got these monkeys, and they got a job, and they're sorting pebbles. And they sort a rock, and they hand it to the researcher, and the researcher gives them a slice of cucumber, yeah. and that happens, and everything's great. The monkeys say, hey, "I got cucumbers. It's awesome." Yeah. Until yeah. the researcher hands one of the monkeys a grape. Yeah. And then the other one, the cucumber is like, all right, man, I'm going to get a grape this time. I'm going to get a grape this time. He he hands the rock dutifully. She gives him a cucumber and he looks at it and he like just throws it at her. <laughs> then they repeat it again and he checks. He checks like the second time you can see him. He like bangs a rock like did I maybe I maybe I, it was me. Maybe I was the problem. Yeah. Gives her a rock. She gets him the cucumber and he just goes ape shit.
1: RJCA and I feel
0: like subscribe. that is the human huh. condition. And there's a lot of layers of like you know shells and 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 partitions yeah. to kind of like well you know you know you deserve a billion dollars whatever but like ultimately at the end of the day that's a real problem that has to be addressed and socialism is the only thing that kind of sort of gets there
1: well uh, so i guess ultimately um like the problem in that situation is that one monkey has improved their has had their situation improved and the other has not had it improved it hasn't gotten worse but it hasn't improved right um, so I just, I don't really, like fundamentally that doesn't seem, uh, that doesn't seem like it's, you know, I don't accept that it is a, an automatic injustice that like people don't all have the same stuff, right? Um, I don't think, uh, first, I mean, first of all to say that everybody, uh, you know, should be getting the same stuff just as a whole, that the standards of, of living should all be equal. Um, I mean, it. It seems to really be kind of a, like, to say that that's um, the way things should be because some people have that innate feeling. I mean, I, I, I don't know about making government policy based on innate feelings. I mean, human well, but, beings have a lot of pretty ridiculous innate feelings. We're fearful, sure. we're prejudiced, we're, we're, we're all kinds of bad uh, when left to our own devices in a lot of ways, and yet... Uh, you know, we in the United States have built a, a society that recognizes that probably one of the ways to – to well, the, the best way to ameliorate that is checks and balances in our government and competitive markets in our economy so that we can uh, – uh, rather than depend on the better angels of men to have a better life for ourselves, we can – you know, we can, we can, uh, build a better life for ourselves through, you know, I think much more fundamental, uh, basic human traits, much more dependable traits, you know, ambition, competition, uh, and, you know, I think, I think, uh, the way that I try to deal with that is by advocating for a social welfare state on top of that competitive market funded by that, the prosperous free market economy that can help people who, for whatever reason, fall through the cracks, can guarantee some basic standard of living for people. But I don't um, like the notion that some people have more than others by default does not bother me. The only thing that bothers me is the notion that there are some people whose basic needs are not at all met.
0: I want to I kind of want to push back on um, the idea that like this is about like everyone has the same stuff because, yeah, it's a a very simple example for a monkey. Like if um, like you could reason with the monkey. And say, you know, well, this other monkey is actually handing me a a brick, Mm -hmm. right? It's a finished product. You're handing me a pebble that I have to then add a bunch of cement to and other aggregates. And then I can make maybe a cinder block or whatever. Then the monkey's like, okay, maybe I get my cucumber. This guy gets a grape. But, like, I don't know that you could ever explain to a monkey why that other monkey should get yeah. five billion grapes. Sure, but, so, you know, it's not uh, so much It's not so much. So, so I guess, like, what – I'm not yet – and I've asked this a bunch of yeah. questions. I not yet hit a, a convincing argument for why we should let – allow people yeah. to amass, like, $100 billion. Well, I'll tell you. I don't know if
1: I have explain to the monkey because, admittedly, the monkey is a monkey. But <laughs> as far as a person goes – Can you explain um, it to me? As far as a person goes – um, look, as far as that goes, uh, if somebody can build a product and sell that product and in exchange for that product convince people to give them money and in the process of all of that voluntary interplay collect a billion dollars, I see no reason why we should get in the way of that like on principle just because they've done it. Now, I see arguments to tax those people for the sake of uh, keeping you know, uh, you know, know, some, some argument for some kind of taxation because we have to have some kind of society in order to have any, any kind of good life. As uh, even uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, certainly no no friend of socialism, Friedrich Hayek uh, uh, has a, I don't think didn't hesitate to say government is the most noble institution of them all because without government nothing is ultimately possible. So we need some form of taxation and we need some form of a state. But the notion that therefore uh, you have to justify why it is that you uh, you know collect a bunch of money uh, or or like. The notion that you have to seek permission to do that um, or should have to justify that, I think, is, for me, fundamentally flawed. If it's the result of voluntary transactions, I have no issue with that. And I think that one thing that we've got is, I think one problem we've got um, with respect to the socialist movement is that they've kind of, I think, degraded the notion of uh, coercion and consent. Um, For example, they talk about wage labor, and they describe it as something being—and, you know, these are very serious socialists I've talked to, not just kind of, you know, uh, not just kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 part-timers, but people who really have committed their life to this. Um, You know, they'll say, look, that's that's like this far from slavery. That's this far from tyranny. When you get a wage at an agreed-upon rate that you voluntarily accept— like the trading of your time for compensation is basically slavery, and and that like, you know that that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of uh, of yeah, uh, worldview we're arguing with. So ultimately, for me, the question ultimately is not why should we allow that; it's it's why should we stop that.
0: What if when you attained a billion dollars, yeah. you gained the ability to read and influence people's minds? <laughs> you, Would you think that we should – and I'm not saying that you'd maybe make billionaires being illegal – but maybe make some sort of policy where it's awfully damn hard to attain that almost godlike power. Do you, would you? Would that? I mean, I'm just a thought experiment. Would that? What, what do you say okay, to that? So,
1: so, uh, so you're saying that if you if you had that much money, you could then uh, have that much power over your
0: fellow citizens. Yeah. So you get three commas, you bam, You get you get uh, full <laughs> Charles Xavier type of mind control power.
1: <laughs> okay. So uh, okay. So suppose there's yeah. So there's a there's a device that you can you can get a billion dollars. Uh, hey, archivist, good to have. You. By the way, everybody who just joined us, welcome. We're having a great chat here. Um, I, uh, I appreciate you all being here. Um, so, uh, okay, the billion-dollar mind reading device. Look, ultimately, for me, the first thing I would want to figure out is whether there's a way I can prevent you from using <laughs> the mind control device on somebody without their consent, because that, to me, is the issue. I guess, really, like not not so much that you, you. What's that? Can you consent to being mind controlled? Oh, okay. I thought this was a mind reading device. A mind. No, I, I,
0: I guess device. an influencer. Yeah. Let's say um, it's not a okay. You're not marionetting people, yeah. but you can exert an outsized influence.
1: Yeah, I mean that seems like the kind of thing you would ban, like uh, you know, like uh, uh, grenades or tanks or nuclear weapons, because it's a kind of uh, it's a kind of device that by its very nature you can't. Uh, you know, nobody could, like you said, nobody could consent to be mind controlled except maybe in very uh very uh limited situations and somebody in my chat is saying you can own grenades and tanks i think that's very like under very like i don't think you can own active grenades and active tanks with with cannons and all that but you get the point like there are some weapons that you know some devices that are illegal i mean i think that would probably be the better approach than to just say well you know once you can afford a tank uh, you can't have that much money you know low if there's a compelling reason to ban the thing i think we would ban the thing before we say well you know, it, you you can't be you can't have the uh, you can't have the commitment. Uh, you you can't have that much wealth. Like, um, so can
0: can, yeah. can you kind of like talk me out of the idea that like a billionaire like billionaires don't have like an analogous form of this power because it does seem like once you get that much you get that much wealth and yeah. you know we're probably I don't know a couple of decades away from our first trillionaire. Yeah. Um, can you? talk is like that's the thing that like if, if someone could come forth a compelling argument to be like well settle down Aaron this is not a big <laughs> deal in but, because okay. it, honestly that really bothers me yeah. Bastia I mean it, it's it, it kind of it kind of fucks mm-hmm. with me that like um, again I'm not saying it's an immoral and it it's one of these things okay. where it's like um, I'm not I'm not saying anyone's bad. It's like, uh, you know, the first monkey that woke up and realized, Oh shit, I murdered somebody, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like you. You. the law against it. Like, Hey man, it was just, he, he pissed me off and I bashed his brains in. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that like, there's needs to be some kind of cop yeah. coming and arresting, but like, sure. you know, they're playing by the rules. I, I concede that there's a lot of societal runway that would have to lead to some, some kind of fixing it, but, like, that <laughs> does seem like a fundamental problem that can't just be hand-waved away by, it. oh, if everyone voluntarily entered the contract and everyone, no one held a gun to anyone's head, and, you know, this guy's got mind-control powers.
1: Just, just to be clear, I do I do uh, defend the notion of waving away because, one, the mind-control powers don't exist, and, two, again, I, I place a it's priority analogy. on... I place, I get what you're saying, but I do personally place a priority on on individual freedom, and so to transgress on that individual freedom just because somebody is, you know, too much money for, you know, I think I personally, I need a better reason than that, so I, I don't concede that it's improper to just wave away, but I recognize your objection here. Um, okay, so as your question, a uh, billion dollars, a uh, lot of power is what you're saying, basically. They got a lot of power. They got more power than you and I,
0: right? More power than, a, than I would have with a grenade, Yeah, with a oh, pin cool. For sure.
1: Well, I mean, it probably depends on where you're at with the grenade and what you're doing with it. I mean, you know, <laughs> it depends. I mean, I think there you know, there are circumstances, but I get what you're saying. So, um, you know, I guess uh, ultimately it's uh, it's like uh, like the, the fundamental issue here seems to be the notion that uh, uh, the more money you have, the easier it is for you to do things with your life. Like, for example, you can hire private security guards. You can, you know, buy a private jet. You can, you can hire lobbyists. (laughs) I don't think it's so easy to buy politicians as people say, but I get what, what, I get the point. I mean, to be clear, there are, there's a total of $9 billion annually in the American political system. And given how much is stake, uh, is at stake. The the I remember seeing one time that apparently Americans spend more than that every year on pet grooming. So like the yeah. notion that that uh, in exchange for the I, I mean government's a cheap day. Don't get me wrong.
0: Uh, well, yeah, there's actually a well known um, uh, paradox. I forget the name of it, but it's like uh, this is something economists talk about. God, I wish I'd known this would come up. But mm-hmm. the fact that you like, let's say that I needed, I, I was going to make fifty million dollars on a real estate deal. Yeah. But there's a couple of things in the way, and I can pay a politician $50,000 to grease those wheels and make that $50 million. Only a fool would do that. Well,
1: who who is like – yeah, but who's paying the – 50 million, the $50 million to $50 million a politician, like campaign contribution limits are about $2,800. So
0: no, I'm saying, they, that's what I'm saying, that like a politician will accept a $50,000 bribe, essentially, to grease those wheels so that but, the other person make $40 million or $50 million in real estate.
1: But deal. like, what kind of, what kind of bribe are you talking about? Like, because politicians, again, from an individual can only take $2,800 from, from an individual. So like,
0: are well, you talking I mean, about like super PACs? So are you saying it's impossible for a real estate developer to funnel $50,000 into the right campaign to grease the right wheels to make money on real estate? I'm saying because, like, is,
1: yeah, I'm saying that it is illegal to fund, to like funnel $50,000 from one individual to another. Now, I think what you're talking about or referencing is probably um, a super
0: pack. Yeah, I like, have to get it done okay, for you. So, yeah, right. so,
1: okay, so let's talk about super PACs. So ultimately, what is a super PAC? A super PAC is an organization that is put together to engage in political messaging, right? Now, by law, they're not supposed to have any kind of Coordination with political candidates, right? And super PAC money is not supposed to go to political candidates. Now, you could argue, and I think you can make a good argument for this, that uh, that law is not uh, aggressively enough and aggress- uh, enforced aggressively enough in the United States. I think that's a very reasonable argument to make. But sure. uh, ultimately, that I feel like is an example of like that's that's a policy problem, right? That's not a problem with the existence of wealth. That's a problem of the dearth of enforcement of existing law. Now, I guess there are people who might say, well, you know, people are never going to enforce laws against the wealthy. Uh, look, I mean, we had we had kind of a gilded age in the late uh, 19th century, early 20th century, um, where we had concentrations of wealth similar to what we've got today. Uh, sure. It does government- feel like we're
0: part two of that. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I think that's a fair thing to say. And uh, ultimately, government got, you know, a little more involved and raised an income tax, um, you know, things like that. Sherman Antitrust Act, uh, I think the Clayton Antitrust Act. Um, And, you know, between trust busting and higher taxes on the wealthy and, you know, the United States, uh, now, unfortunately, it took World War I to really boost those tax rates in the stratosphere. Hopefully, we don't need anything like that. But like, if your goal is to reduce inequality and to reduce the power of the wealthiest among us, I think that Ultimately, you're just talking about raising income taxes, which is not a particularly, it's not a particularly text, uh, you know, sexy argument. But like, if that's your issue, that's really, that's really all, all you got to do. I mean, there, there may be yeah, some other taxes. I
0: kind of agree because, like, I because I, people, uh, you know, when I bring this before – and I've had a couple discussions with people that are trying to justify the existence of welfare or the existence of billionaires. Well, I, I. And- I, do I don't want, want to say
1: one other thing though about billionaires. Um sure. because you know I was curious about this and um in terms of countries with billionaires um it looks like the countries that have uh you know like population per billionaire these countries are to a T pretty, like, with the highest concentrations are to a T pretty nice places to live. Yeah. Um, no, that's Switzerland, a fact. Iceland, Sweden. Like, these aren't, these aren't, um, you know, like, the United States isn't in this, as far as I can see, isn't in this top 10. Um, uh-huh. so, like, these countries have high concentrations of billionaires. Like, the problem doesn't seem to be billionaires, um, who, depending on the way you, depending on the way you look at them are either, um, Three-fifths or four-fifths of them are not like, you know, are not like rent-seeking, like, parasites, but, you know, are engaged in some kind of productive enterprise. It seems like the problem is just, you know, boring old government policy. Like, they've mastered universal health care in those countries. We haven't, you know? Yeah. And so on, you know?
0: I mean, a part of it, and I think the big reason that we haven't, quote-unquote, mastered that is because we had so much, like, anti-communist, anti-socialist propaganda that's gone way too far the other way to where people do confuse places like you know iceland with the ussr um and that, that's a that's a barrier like you know like my aunt and uncles my father's generation they're just so rabidly you know anti-communist and pro quote-unquote freedom that it gets in the way of doing that now i i because i've heard that statistic before and i looked it up and it, it's it's totally uh, accurate mm. do you know those billionaires the, the, the one thing i always want to dig f- deeper and i'll do this after we, we talk if, if you don't know it off the top of your head but mm. are those billionaires uh native grown or are they perhaps like they get their wealth somewhere and, and, and want to move to a country that has you know mm-hmm. uh a better freer, fairer fair society yeah
1: i don't know um would that, change the
0: equation. I, 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 I don't know yeah. like i know
1: i don't know that there's a lot of like billionaire migration i mean chinese billionaires uh do like it seems like there's a lot of migration of their capital but, um, then set like, you know, for example, I know China, um, I don't know that this is still going on, but, but for some years up until Xi Jinping really consolidated power, there did seem to be a mad rush among, uh, the, the wealthy, um, in China to try and offshore a lot of their assets, um, yeah. and, you know, get them out of the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that a lot of billionaires move um, – like, at least a lot of American ones don't seem to, to leave the country. So yeah. Maybe it's the case, but as far as I know, um, that's, that's – I don't know. I'll have to check that out.
0: Yeah. Something I, I'm kind of curious because it's honestly – it's just a, an open question. Um,
1: I just looked up a list of Swedish billionaires by um, by uh, net worth, and all of them have very Swedish very citizenship, Swedish? and all of them seem to have Swedish names. Um, okay. So I don't know, I don't know about – Uh, You know, some of these, uh, I think they're all, yeah, I think they're all pretty much to a T Swedes, Um, you know, unless
0: unless Stefan Persson is not, Uh, I'm pretty sure. Anyway. Um, Man, I got, uh, shoot, where is I going to go after this? Uh, Something about billionaires and um, the existence of them being justified. Uh, I know there
1: are people who say, like, you know, every
0: billionaire is a policy failure. Guess. Oh, that's what it was. So, like, two weeks ago, I read a, a couple of articles. Uh, there's, you know, it's a fact right now that even though we have millions of people uh, out of work and the economy is kind of like, you know, got big holes blown through it, uh, the stock market has made a pretty impressive recovery. Mm-hmm. But one of the arguments that I've read, and I, I read some back and forth, but one of it is, is like there's literally no other place for rich and wealthy people to invest and put their money than to invest in the stock market. So that's where it goes. Um that also seems to imply that maybe there is an X, there, there is an inefficient distribution of, of money towards those people. It's like they have nothing better to do than invest in and, and stock prices that are largely being driven into buybacks and dividends and whatnot. Like, you know, and, and you know, ultimately, I think you're right. Like uh, there's a transition period, even if I'm right about like communism, socialism eventually wins, like, you know, Star Trek. No more money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's going to be this transition period, and it seems like the way to grease the wheels of that transition period is to jack up uh, taxes. Like yeah, that's uh, the best way to do it. I, uh, I
1: don't. I think the transition period will be um, anyway you slice it. The transition period is why all of this is such a is so so fantastic. Um, is that the transition period to get to uh, to get to communism would be, I think, unquestionably violent.
0: Because at hmm. a certain
1: point, people refuse to hand over their stuff. Like in the in the well, that's why... when, they, when they, for example, tried to collectivize agriculture, um, well, sure, they, uh, you know, farmers just started killing their animals and started setting their their farms on fire because. You know, if the government's just going to take it from you in exchange for nothing, why would you give it up? You know, like for the for for the solidarity of society, you know, which is robbing the blind. Of course not. So and well, this happens. This actually is fascinating because this happens in countries with very different cultures. The same thing happened in China. The same thing happened in other communist countries in Eastern Europe, uh, in Southeast Asia. So like this isn't this wasn't just some like oh, oh, you, you, Russian culture, like this notion yeah. that you can just take and take and take and take forever. Eventually, people just destroy it. You know, I, I think the the idea that you can get to this future without violence and force. The ultimately, the only reason I think that, that it's even imaginable is because at, certain po- at a certain point, maybe technology provides a a way through it. But but no, I don't I don't think you could get to such a society truly without without force.
0: Huh. I Because I, I think that we're a long way away from it. I don't know how far, you know, because like I said, te- technology could change to where you go post-scarcity post-scar- really fast. And then, you know, I, but the thing is, is even if we did, even if we had that kind of post-scarcity side, you'd still have assholes who didn't want to, like, you know, divvy things up or, or, or play fair. Well, um, so what does uh, that mean, so, though, to you, play well, fair? Because the thing is, like, I don't think we just need to, to get uh, some sort mm-hmm. kind of socialist paradise future. I don't think we just need technology in a traditional sense but i've been kind of like talking about the idea of social technology uh empathy compassion um education that could fundamentally change you because i don't find this this very uh, persuasive this whole it's human nature to do this it's human nature to do that because it certainly isn't human nature to uh you know take care of wounded enemy soldiers it's not human nature to build giant hospitals to take care of people that you'll never know it's not you know like there's a lot of things that like don't that, that we have achieved as a highly functional really? society—that you can't. Yeah, I don't know. Like make I'm, an argument. I'm
1: surprised. That. Like, like for example, the notion of, a, like example, the notion of a, taking care of a wounded enemy soldier. I mean, most people when they you know see somebody wounded, that displeases them. Taking care of that wounded person, you know, gives them some kind of satisfaction. I mean, yeah, I, mean, nobody, I, I think that's. I think like, like for example, nobody. well, what were you going to say? i
0: was going to say nobody in a 24, 20, 12th century battlefield that just got done hacking through. <sighs> A uh, wave, or Like, you know, when the troops were running and stuff, it was time to clean those boys up. Did it's we, time to it, go. And, yeah, hmm? but I mean,
1: they also had like no real medical technology. I mean, killing them may have been for all we know. I mean, given how little we probably, well, I, you know, I can't say I'm like, I'm not a, an expert on medieval life, but I mean, given how little there was that we could do for people I and mean, it's very possible that finishing them off was the quote unquote humane thing to do back then. I don't know you know yeah but like i I said but like or the idea of building a hospital for people you don't know i mean ultimately i grant you that i you know i wouldn't just take a day off of work to you know probably to build a hospital for somebody i know unless it was like a a volunteer thing you know maybe sometimes that i would do probably for some personal satisfaction but i mean i think generally the reason people do that kind of thing is because they get some kind of remunerate, you know remuneration for it either investment or the wages for building it or whatever and I think the desire to better yourself is certainly part of human nature. I mean, every, you know, almost everybody in the world tries to engage in some form of self-improvement, self-betterment. I mean, like, I, I think what really uh, frustrates me about sort of the socialist, uh, uh, communist narrative that there is basically no such thing as human nature and that men are ultimately malleable is that it then leads to the question of, well, if men are ultimately malleable, then why not shape them in whatever way we think best? After all, they're ultimately malleable. We reject the notion of human nature of any kind. And I have the right ideas. And so I should do the shaping. Yeah. And I mean that's that's what we've got. You know, that's what we've seen in, in places that have attempted to do this. They've engaged in in some of right. the most terrifying forms of social engineering. And I mean once you get once you get the power to engage in those kinds of social experiments, I mean there was a time in the um, in the midst of I think the Great Leap Forward where Mao briefly toyed with the notion of replacing names with numbers. It didn't go anywhere, but, you know, like it's, 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 and it, and it it ultimately once you start to, once you start to prioritize the needs of quote unquote society over the individual, then you get outcomes that nobody would imagine is progressive. Like for example, in Romania in the 19, I want to say seventies, they, uh, they actually, uh, they, they just banned abortion and you know, they didn't ban abortion for any real moral reason. They just banned abortion because they need more labor. Yeah. And so, yeah, and, and so they, so they did that. And so the way that they, they built this was basically they built, um, as far as I can tell, the worst police state for women that has ever existed outside of maybe, you know, the Taliban or something like that. Um, where they had, uh, they had state, uh, uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, uh, medical police and factories. Uh, uh, having women come up for compulsory gynecological checks to make sure that, one, they weren't pregnant, or that if they were pregnant, that it was logged and recorded and that they didn't terminate their pregnancy because that baby is needed for the state. And, of course, in prior years, they'd have the opposite policy with encouraged abortions, except in certain circumstances. So it's like it's, you know, once you but accept that there's no human nature, then people are just clay that you can just do with what you like.
0: I don't think that. Okay, so like I was raised in a background that taught that we were created in a perfect state, and that we had fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, like the traditional, uh, you eat, you eat, the Adam and Eve ate the apple, good and bad. The yeah. object bad, blah, we screwed everything up. Mm-hmm. I've appreciated that. Like, actually. The story of humanity is that of a, a monkey that wakes up one day and and uh, starts trying to figure out, oh, how can I make the, the world a better place? Uh, and there's something like there's a, a quote from a Terry Pratchett, no, Pratchett novel about that you have to make space for the rising ape to meet the fallen angel. Hmm. And I feel like I'm not interested in like some kind of eugenics or societal. I'm, like what I mean by social technology is. You know, like, like, and that's why I think I'm, you know, short term. Like, I'm very aligned with like the neoliberal goals, um, mm-hmm. that, that because like I think to to do that you have to create these social safety nets so that you don't have people in constant states of dis- desperation, like, oh my god, if I don't do this, I'm going to die, or my children are going to die, or I'm going mm-hmm. to starve, or I'm going to be homeless. Uh, because when we do make those spaces, that's when you, um find things like, you know, taking mercy on enemy soldiers. That's when you start building, coming together and building hospitals. That's when you start, you know, building schools. That's when you start planting trees, you know, that you're not going to enjoy the shade of when things get desperate, people get mean and they yeah. get, uh, you know, they, they, get, they get greedy and they want to hold on to things like toilet paper and <laughs> dry goods. And when things like, when it seems like, Hey, you know what, if I trip and fall, someone's going to be there to help me, Back to my feet, clean up my knee, bandage it. And I'm going to be on my way. Then people start thinking about higher minded things, and that's when we progress as a as a society. So it's like I don't want to architect it. I want to I want to create conditions that are conducive to that kind of project. Um, and I, you know, like, here's the here's the, here's my fundamental problem with like socialism right now. Uh, and I've done this uh, a couple of times. You take all the world's like net worth, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like forty six trillion dollars, and you take like all the world's like combined GDP, and it's another some odd trillion dollars, and you divide it evenly amongst a population of <laughs> seven billion people, and you know what the answer is? What? Jack shit. It's like, you know, it's like everybody would have if we divide it all in even piles, everybody would have about five grand in their bank account and they'd be making, I don't know, five bucks a day. I think and I mean, that's not enough for me.
1: Yeah, I think I remember it being um, I actually it's interesting you say this because I think I did this little experiment recently, too. And I, I remember I think I remember seeing that it was if you took uh, the average world income. And like uh, distributed it evenly, you'd get yeah. like, uh, I think 18 to 20,000 or something a year. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind
0: of a nonsense. Yeah, I did, I did a math in a way because in, the, in our Mr. Robot podcast, sure. they, they, yeah. it was all late stage capitalism that show. But yeah. th- that's the thing. It's like, so I think that, that the, you know, we have to grow the pie quite a bit before we could divide everything up evenly and everyone have like, you know, something that they're satisfied with. But I think that's possible without any kind of fantastic technology. It, it would, it's going to require a lot of like, uh, assistance to like the global south to help them grow their economy without exploiting them do you, uh, uh, so.
1: do you think that could be done democratically do you think it could be done and what i just to be clear what i'm asking could be done democratically do you think it could be done democratically that is to say uh to engage in massive um non-reciprocal just basically cash grants to different countries in exchange for nothing you know far more massive than anything we do now do you think that could be done democratically I don't
0: think so today. No.
1: Would do you think, do. do you think that could ever be done democratically? That people could just yes. uh, basically been forcibly taxed sure. to have that money go to other people for no direct
0: benefit. I mean, if you're asking me, your like, story. can I can I imagine a future where people have um, enough security that they're like, you know what? Uh, it really bothers me that there's kids around the world that are starving and you know are dying of vaccines that can be treated, and they don't have hospitals and don't have clean drinking water. And like, why, mm. why, why, how can I enjoy this hundred million dollar yacht when I know there's children going to bed hungry? Yeah, I think, but I, I think that you, we have to create those conditions where people can start thinking about that and not thinking about you know uh, how much more how much more you know score they can high score they can run up, sure.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, uh, ultimately, I, uh, I, I recognize that um, – I recognize the first part of what you said, which is that – and I guess this is my fundamental reason for supporting a social welfare state – is that I recognize that people who are in distress – You know, I mean, uh, people who are in distress. uh, I understand why they have no no reason to just say, you know, to sit on their thumbs and just say, well, you know, uh, I recognize that my life is not going well, and uh, you know, I my prospects are very light. But you know, fortunately, uh, GDP went up, and most of my neighbors are doing better, even though I myself am in misery. That makes me Uh feel better. I recognize that nobody's, you know, that that's not going to be. You know, I recognize that's not, uh, uh, you know, nobody thinks that way. I recognize that I wouldn't think that way if my life immediately, uh, you know, went to a kind of destitution of some kind. I would probably immediately start thinking, you know what, fuck this society. What the fuck was I talking about with all this neoliberal bullshit? Fuck that. Yeah. I want something because I need it. I'm in misery. I'm in distress right now. Um so yeah I think that uh, a huge reason to have these programs is as basically a social you know like a social safety net in addition to being a good thing for the sake of the individuals who get it I think fundamentally the reason to have it is uh stability it's a kind of I think a kind of national defense um yeah, to avoid exactly. uh, to avoid extremist politics to avoid internal uh, unrest yeah. Things like that. Now, I don't think that that therefore justifies, uh, you know, limitless, uh, takings from some for the sake of others, but I do think, I do think that it absolutely justifies some, the same reason that we have a, you know, a police force and things like that. Um, I do want to say, though, that I do like the response of one of our resident left-wingers, Archivist Q42, who says, no, that is unlikely to ever be voted for, but that's why the government shouldn't listen to short-sighted, uneducated individuals. Um, you know, and I think that's the response of some other people. I mean, the reason I asked that is that I think there are some people, um, who on the left would just say, look, uh, you know, this democratic stuff is all well and good until the plebs vote the wrong way. Then fuck them. You know, we know yeah, what's really? better for human beings. They're infinitely malleable anyway. So, you know, I let's don't, just do it. Hmm. And, yeah, I don't and that, that. that seems to be the way that it always works out. Even when they do try to start things off democratically.
0: Yeah, no. I guess like I said, you gotta you gotta build up that uh, that that social technology to where that wouldn't happen. Because again, like you know, uh, well, go back that, and go back to, our, to our conversation. What does that uh, mean? Back- social technology. Like I said, uh, okay. I started thinking about this two years ago when I was listening to uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. He was um, talking about the history of public execution. I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Carlin, or I've heard the name. Uh, he's yeah, he does this Hardcore History podcast, pretty big podcast. Uh, he does like insane like he spent uh 36 hours going over the lead-up uh prosecution and resolution of world war one
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and he did something in between his massive projects because right now he's doing it's called supernova in the east it's about uh, the build-up and prosecution and the resolution of world war ii in between those he does like little mini episodes that are five hours long um and this one is on public execution and he went back and went through all the like the you know the historical ex- instances of of human execution and why that essentially dropped off the cliff in the 20th century and he made a pretty prog- uh, a pretty compelling argument at least to me that one of the things that did that was people like ah hell i just forgot the author's name uh the guy who wrote uh, david copperfield and uh, um uh, great expectations uh Man, what is that guy's name? Oh, Charles Dickens. Yes, Charles Dickens. The, there was the, the Charles Dickens and other people. The, so, so a lot of um, the story up to that point for public executions is this person is bad and they're evil and they did evil things and they need to be killed. And what Charles Dickens did and other people, because there's other religious people that did his pamphlets that um kind of showed that like, the, the, especially because, you know, we, we weren't executing a lot of kings and knights and lords. It was a lot of petty, you know, executions for petty theft and things like that. And they they used their short stories that were distributed, these little pamphlets and stuff. And they um, help people understand that, like, poverty is not like a curse from God, but it's like a a situation that could happen to anyone. And and they humanize these people. So then like used to be a big carnival festival, like, you know, like when someone's getting hung in the square, holy hell, show up, pack a sandwich, um, book, book an inn on the third story. So you get a good seat. Because like yeah, these guys are getting it, and they deserve, they deserve to get it. But what changed is when people started empathizing with the people. And he talked about some of the late like 19th century like executions where like the crowd rushed in and like prevented the the executioner from doing because yeah. they're like, nah, the hell, the uh, you know. And it it started made me think is like, well, that's social technology nothing changed about the human condition or what was happening on the ground, except for people understood as a new fact about poverty and ignorance and crime that made them no longer as bloodthirsty. Like there was no law passed. There was like, you know, like, like public, public opinion led to the laws that have changed. Right right now, you know, uh, public execution, especially in the Western world, very, very rare. Um, and that's what I'm, so, so like maybe 200 years ago, if you'd have got up in the public square and said, you know what, we're going to ban public exec- execution, this stuff is going to just go the way of the dodo, people had been like, that's, that's absurd, what are you going to do, Crime's going to go through the roof. But because we invented these social technologies, uh, because we were able to engage people's empathy through arts and instruction and education, and it didn't help to also, we kind of, you know, Industrial Revolution uh, lifted Everybody's standard of living. We we changed society, and no one had to do it at the point of a gun. There's no revolutions involved. It just happened. That's so. That's a that's an example, as my canonical example of a social technology to change the world, um, without firing a gun or passing a oh. law.
1: Well, it just it, that just sounded like kind of persuading people.
0: Yeah. Which is what I advocate for. Like, get like, instead of, um, I really don't like this idea that, like, we spend most of our time on Twitter dunking on people. Oh, I know. Twitter's, like, out.
1: designed for that. Yeah. It's crazy. But,
0: but we, don't, we don't go out and, you know, but we, we dread going to your family's dinners on Thanksgiving because, you know, Uncle Frank is going to run his mouth. And, like, you know, that's where we should, I guess, be pushing back and persuading. Like, the people that we have social capital with, <laughs> the people that love and care for us. Yeah. That's how we can make an impact, not by,
1: but, but anyway, yeah, like Uncle Frank might be a Uncle Frank might be a jerk, but Uncle Frank never dogpiled me on Twitter. OK, I mean, <laughs> Uncle Frank is like dirt. nothing. I, I can't believe people are so much uh, so so much like, you know, like I, I mean, as you know, as somebody who has argued, uh, uh, you know, with conservative in-laws or, or uh, you know, uh, on and on. I mean, it's I don't know. I guess I just don't understand really. Um, like, for example, the notion of uh, social technology. Like, it just seems like you know trying to persuade people to adopt your values, which I mean, stronger, that sounds
0: so – stronger social yeah. safety nets, um, better education, uh, bet, um, and combined with like you know uh, arts and public peer pressure to like do no no better do better. That's all. That's all I might take.
1: Okay. Well, um, you know, I mean, if you can persuade people to vote a certain way, I mean, you know, I, I guess I, I think though that there are probably limits on what you could persuade somebody to do. Like, I think you so, should, so
0: that, that that rolls on my next point because, like, I think yeah. the the other thing I harp on a lot in three right turns is because I have been a conservative for a long time. I was born in 1976. I'm 43. Mm-hmm. I've been paying attention for like you know 30 years. I didn't know what the hell I was. Doing when I was a teenager, but like I remember the the political scandals and the events of the day. Um, and I've had, um, I actually had a lot of kind of dealings with the early stages of the uh, um uh, internet political machine and conservatism. Like I had a very minor role in the very beginning of redstate.com. Oh. Um, and I had it, I had a, because in my former life before I started as podcasting thing, I was a developer. Um, right but I, right. Where is I going with this? Oh, I was talking to one particular conservative, and mm. he was talking to me about, like, the concept of Overton window that you know, Joseph Overton pioneered oh, uh, yeah. in Michigan,
1: yeah, changing. of the concept, of, uh, <laughs> the concept of, of all concepts that we, we all hear
0: about, right, for the, uh, for the last four years. Um, like but, shifting the but,
1: Overton window one way or another.
0: Well, I did. so you, are you anti-Overton window? No, I just – I
1: don't know. I just – like, maybe this was always a thing. It just – I don't know. I wonder if it's overplayed.
0: So so in Michigan, they use that. um, They use that deliberately to Mm -hmm. like they 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 took a sober analysis of where the population is now in terms of like what they support as far as public education. They identified public education as a threat to their values. Um, and they're like, okay, you know, like at, at, at the, the most left word you'd have, like, you know, the, the, the public education camps where education, all three, they steal your children away from you. they the state raises them. Yeah. at the far end of the school, uh, far into the, um, uh, the right, I guess their, their desired objective, or maybe the furthest right they think that society would go is public education is essentially outlawed. Yeah. Uh, and then they thought of like you know where are we are at right now, and then what is a step towards the direction we want to go, and then how many steps further than that? So so and, and to run some candidates, run some public policy to kind of like take the slings and errors of people like oh that's ridiculous, that's radical and stuff. But you're getting the ideas out there, and that really took fire in Republican think tanks in the eighties and nineties, yeah. and they're in like. 30, 40-plus year concerted efforts to remake certain seg- segments of society as far as the media, as far as education, to get into the pitiable state we are today. And that's one of the things I find frustrating in leftist politics is, you know, it's all about organizing and grassroots and, you know, as you said, uh, you know, worker co-ops. I think we need some think tanks to start doing it the other way, well, where yeah. we actually start deliberately thinking about, like, how – we what kinda what we need to do in society, what are the positions we need to take, what are the positions we need to Mm -hmm. take that are extreme, that make the positions we want seem politically viable, and and use the Overton window and those concepts to like shift it shift the political possibilities to where we want it to go.
1: Um we need some left wing think tanks, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, I wonder uh, are
1: there you know, it does seem like think tanks are more
0: conservative than not, but they really are. There there are some is the Roosevelt Institute count? Let's see. There, there, there definitely are some and there's definitely some centrist. But like as far as I, I think the, a lot of um, leftist billionaires mm-hmm. tend to give directly to political campaigns yeah. instead of actually thinking about influencing public opinion, because yeah. that's what you got to do. Because it's yeah. like to do it, get a revolution, you got to convince everyone to do it, or you got to go around at the barrel of a gun. And I think you and I both yeah. agree that latter is not a possibility. Yeah, like especially moment.
1: yeah, especially for the left. Um, the left does not seem to win most armed uh, armed struggles against the right. Although, I mean, I guess it, it did
0: happen in Russia, but it, it seems generally well. That, that's that another problem, problem where uh, that's the other compelling thing where I'm not a full blown socialist because it seems like socialism is something that almost has to be something that happens globally because it can't it can't compete against you know rock capitalism.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a, that's kind of an, that's that's not. That's, that's, if that's true, that's a real big if true, um, because if uh, well, uh, it, it seems like if your you know if your system can't compete, like by its nature, you know all other factors aside, it's just not as competitive. I mean, that seems like a problem. Given that the the first and foremost function of a state is ultimately to protect its citizens from foreign threats, and then to no. you know do all these other things.
0: But, but but you know the the argument there would be like uh, let's say you've got a race car. Yeah. um and or you know it's a top fuel dragster and i've got a car built to win the le, you know the le mans yeah a uh, 24 hour uh, thing you know like if i ran my car as fast as the top fuel dragster it would explode you know a, a half mile into the race yeah. so it's, it's like amazing. i agree that like as long as the society is willing to run like a top fuel dragster it's never going to compete against the you know more balanced car but like if everyone if you could if you could ever get everyone to agree to go with the 24 hour marathon yeah. rules and it's more sustainable. And then I, you know, I think there's also a tipping point. Like, you know, if like, let's say that we flash forward 200 years and we're in a socialist so a socialist paradise mm-hmm. and then you had a, a state go rogue and decide we're going to go capitalism. The rest of the world could kind of be like, yeah, we've tried this read 20th, oh, yeah, 21st yeah. century history and they could just freeze them out. And it would be so, the opposite. I see.
1: So, so like, they could, they could basically yeah. forcibly impose socialism. No,
0: they could just, I mean... I mean, that's forcibly imposing it, isn't it? I mean, that's
1: that's the very thing the socialists today complain about, about is that we isolate the socialist countries. It's certainly forcible. I mean, I agree with this use of force, but it's absolutely... Okay, yeah. All right, yeah,
0: I'll I'll grant. If you'll grant that we have forcibly imposed capitalism and... yeah, just but just to be yeah.
1: clear, like I, I think that the imposition of things is not inherently wrong. Like we forcibly imposed capitalism and democracy on Hitlerite like Germany and fascist. Yeah, and, no, totally. and I think it yeah. was absolutely an improvement. I think that was absolutely the right thing to do, and I feel the same way about doing it on,
0: right. on against socialist countries. So, yeah. and like um, I said, in yeah. a potential future, I wouldn't have any problem with, uh, you know, isolating a rogue Australia that wanted to go back to the glory days of capitalism. Yeah, that, um, that,
1: that, uh, I wouldn't, I would have problem with because I don't think it's the same thing. Like socialism is wow. the extractive destruction grinds up human lives, whereas capitalism has been, you know, as far as philosophies or as far as uh, ways of organizing economies go, it's had certainly more success than socialism. Whatever well, you want to say about it, it's actually yeah, but- had more success than socialism. And it said socialism's height. It had about one third of mankind under its grasp and they still couldn't make it work. So it just, it, uh, you know, like it's, it's not the same thing, right? Like in such a, in such a society, like today, when we have a country go, you know, quote unquote rogue, go totalitarian, right? Like, like that country is, is uh, is not only a threat to the rest of the world, but it is also uh, a fundamentally Ill- illegitimate. It absolutely abuses its own people uh, and tyr- tyrannizes its own people. And historically speaking, whenever these communist countries have gotten even a thimble full of power, they use it in brutal ways. Um, For example, you know, the the decision of the Soviet Union, the moment it got a competent military machine going to side with the Nazis and split, you know, split Poland. So like they they have no legitimacy, right? They have – they are not – it's not the same thing. It's not like two different ways of organizing society and both of them are, you know, okay. Like it's no more legitimate really in in my view and I think history bears this out. It's no more legitimate way to organize society than fascism. The only difference is fascism was mercifully destroyed by firebombing and uh, the, the heroic deeds of Allied All soldiers right. before it could really get off the ground. You know, compared to communism, which had 50 years to keep on grinding people into dust. So I think really the only reason the only reason that uh, communism today is given any more credence than fascism is that ultimately communism didn't go down in the bang that fascism did. It went down in a whimper.
0: Well, I mean, you, 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 this is where you have uh, left us at a disadvantage because yeah. at some. Sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm a 16th century peasant saying like, you know, one of these days we're going to throw all these these damn kings and these blue bloods. We're going to throw yeah. them all over and uh, we're, gonna be, we're going to be we're going to have a nation of artisans and hard workers and enterprise. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at all these peasant revolts that got put yeah. down. If they were so hot, blah, blah, blah. Look at the atrocities they commit when they throw off their shackles and chains. They go like, yeah. it's like, uh, you yeah, know, I mean. Women, when, 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 yeah. It wasn't. It, it
1: wasn't though that there was just a violent revolution one day, and now we have capitalism. You know, I mean, capitalism was a was an iterative process that developed very slowly, and some of the elements You're of
0: capitalism. That there was... were revolutions that 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 gave birth to our modern democracies. That that no, like, I'm, I'm, like what treasure like, was built to, to secure those? The, no, the kings I'm... just. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, I mean, in some ways, like for example, in Great Britain, like the Glorious Revolution of 1688, for example, was not like some kind of uh, capitalist, uh, you know, revolution where feudalism was suddenly overthrown. Like, like the development of capitalism was an iterative process that took centuries. It was not, you know, any kind of single event. Um, like yeah, some like, the fundamental elements of capitalism, like corporations, for example, date yeah. back to date back to ancient times. Um, yeah. You know, so like it it. it Like, it's, uh, I think really more than anything, the reason capitalism, uh, took hold was kind of just, uh, technological changes and, and the way that those technological changes kind of naturally resulted in, uh, societal changes. But I, I don't think you could have, like, I guess, I don't know if you could have rushed it. Maybe you could have, I, I don't know. But ultimately, I guess, to the extent that they're both, uh, developments from feudalism, capitalism made things better than, than whatever preceded it and socialism
0: just, uh. You know, well, that's uh, a, that's a, my understanding of Marx, and I'm not a, a giant. Yeah, worship, I mean, uh, admittedly, like, no, I Marx, I Marx did never yeah. think that like feudal societies would skip right to socialism, right? Well, like, you know, they, To the extent good. they were kind of like running ahead of themselves, yeah. and they got yeah. they got their, their 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 shit wrecked.
1: It's kind of strange. I mean, it, I know it, toward the end of his life, he started to talk about well, maybe Russia, you know, with its sort of peasant background, and they had some forms of, I think, uh, you know, some land collectives called zemstvos or something. Basically, he he suggested that it might be possible for Russia to to have a a sort of socialist revolution, even though it was very, you know, very, uh, you know, capitalism, as it were, in Russia was pretty brittle, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I guess ultimately, for me, I don't really feel like it's all that important to go back to the theory of the nineteenth century when there's so much practice in the twentieth century to look at. No, and again, and I, like, I, you know, it reminds me of when I see, and I'm not accusing you of doing this, but it, it reminds me of when I see, um, you know, the, the especially dark side of Twitter. Uh, you know, people who advocate for. Uh, <laughs> You know the feudal age in Europe, or people who advocate oh, for—I yeah. I mean, I've seen this, yeah. Uh, you know, um, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, you know, like, uh, gosh, I forget what they're called, but uh, you know, uh, trad, cath, uh, monarch. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Hans hermann Hoppists. I don't know if you've heard of him, Hans hermann Hopper. You know, ironic <laughs> monarchists. Yeah. Um, and you know, like it's it's. Look, people People uh, in the 20th century voted with their feet. They were willing to cross barriers of concrete walls, machine gun nests, and landmines just for the chance to get out of East Germany and North Korea. And, uh, you know, at a certain point, it's just like, is this really, like, and and I know nobody, uh, you know, on the socialist side of things is ever arguing for, for like, I don't want to rebuild these societies, but... You know, there really is something to be considered about the fact that every one of these societies turned into this kind of hellscape, where no, you know, the social democracies, you know, and the the liberal democracies, I mean, you know, things gradually improved
0: imperfectly, but... You know, that's why we that's why we need leftist think tanks, because you're right. Like there is no answer for what comes next. I have a couple suggestions like, yeah, like I'm going to work with guys like Bastia and we're going to build up the social safety nets and we're going to raise up the taxes and we're going to provide a lot more uh, social social services and we're going to get people to a comfortable state where they can start to ponder that. Hmm. Um, But like I just I mean, that's
1: another thing. Like if it were I I mean, I know that, you know, the, the left doesn't have the kind of think tank strength that the right does, but. I mean people have we been don't think about these issues people have been thinking about these issues now for for as far as you know marxism goes for about 200 years and if we i mean if we as human beings you know have not have not yet uh have not yet figured it out um in terms of like you know what's our alternative to uh you know what's our alternative you know we we need to you know how do we make socialism work i just you know, yeah. It's, man, uh,
0: people, it, it, people have been dreaming of how we can make world the world better and be nicer to people for like literally tens of thousands of years. I mean, you can go back at least to the days of Jesus Christ, where a person said, Hey, here's an idea for how we can treat each other better. And like the fact that we're still struggling and bumbling is not an argument for like, hey, let's let's stop and not consider how we can move the ball forward. It just says that, you know, uh, more thought and experiment. And again, I'm not talking about revolution. I'm talking about creating these conditions in which case you know, we can maybe see... Because I, I do find that frustrating is that a lot of the uh, the debate that goes on between neoliber- neoliberists like yourself and, and uh, you know, leftists like the serfs, for example, yeah. is, like, goes back to litigate the 20th century instead of, like, okay, well, what are some other ways we can do this? What are some other strategies? What are some things besides yeah, co-op? I just, I, I, yeah, absolutely. yeah, I get but that. I'm I mean, I, I I trying to find people want to have those conversations mm-hmm. and, and have them with me. Sure,
1: sure. And I, I, th- I just... I think that um, I understand the desire of many socialists not to relitigate the twentieth century, but at the same time, as far as that goes, it's just you know like it, it uh, like if if uh, if we're really talking about going forward, then why are we even holding on to the word socialism? You know, like why it, it's like uh, it reminds That's me of people point. who say it that rebrand.
0: Yeah, I mean, that'd be good. You choice. know, socialism, woke socialism.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't I think they already find themselves to be very woke. Um, but uh, the problem is they're also broke. Yeah. But look, yeah. I I'll say this as far as as far as the left goes, um I am not really I don't really know that the left is going to be a political factor in this country for um at least the next few years. I'm particularly personally scared of the uh rising conservative right. Um, embodied by folks like Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, who are taking uh, certain elements of socialism and blending with certain elements of nationalism. Um, uh, I think that's, that's really the yeah. yeah. I think that's really the uh, the the kind of going to be the, the struggle to define um, American politics in the coming future. I think the left had its its brief moment, and um, I don't I know that it's uh, I don't know that it's going to get um, another chance.
0: Do you consider yourself what What are you center right? Center. I'm
1: a, a liberal liberal and so what i mean that's a that's a democrat who votes for you
0: know uh, so are you not on the left when you say that no the left
1: yeah, the left is anti capitalism at a baseline. There is no pro capitalist really? left, as far as I understand it. I mean, you know, I guess there are leftists, like there's somebody in my chat, in the Thriller 57, saying, I'm leftist, and I think I'm not socialist, nor do I hate capitalism. Look, like, I mean, maybe there's a pro capitalist left that I'm not aware of, but I, you know, I thought uh, the pro capitalist left was, you know, it's like liberals. Well, I mean,
0: I guess, like, I, because like, I guess I'm a long term leftist, because I do think that, like, at the end of the day, like, it just seems it beggars my imagination to think that a thousand years from now that we will be organized along capital capitalist <laughs> lines it know. just doesn't seem like it's going to be something that is the, the final state of humanity
1: um, well I mean we can't really you know who, who can say what we'll, what we'll be like in a thousand years but I guess in terms of thinking like how we're going to make things better five years yeah. from now or ten years from now I mean probably rather than you know thinking about how are we going to replace a system that if it ever evolves that substantially will probably evolve like you know like but that's, to, that's, yeah, that's, I found that frustrating because changing is like how do we make how do we make you know the system better and i mean that i don't really think think there's a a way around that in a democratic society i think you have to do both i I mean i don't know how we do that in the united states like for example if socialism means the wide scale expropriation of property um i don't think you can do that under our constitution and i don't know that we can we can change our constitution that fundamentally without without a revolution
0: basically it's a long i mean it's a it's a long it's a long-term game um because I, I I that's the other thing that's frustrating is I find out like this is like a stop point in the conversation um you, like you know whenever I see um you know, there's like people's like, well, if it's like you know I, I've seen destiny shut down so many leftists by essentially saying, well, if it's not po- politically possible in this next election cycle, then fuck it I don't want to talk about it well it's super frustrating and- because I think you have to have both plans like you know going back to leftist overton mm-hmm. window think tank idea you have to mm-hmm. have you have to have a clear eyed view of what's politically possible now you got to have a plan for what you're trying to do in the next ten. The 15 years and you got a long term plan of like, where do you want to be the next yeah. generation? Because it took us, you know, it took us 30, 40 years to go from, you know, you look at the, the tax rates that we the great society that we had built and like how it's been chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and it accelerated under the Reagan years. Um, it, that, that's the work of a generation to undo all that stuff. And it's going to right. take a work of a generation to build to, it back up. You want to undo then, everything
1: about the Reagan administration?
0: I didn't say that, but I do think that like I was just watching uh, someone posted this GIF of like the, the different tax rates on the, the poor versus the wealthy and like how they were yeah. in like 1940 versus yeah. and just like see those those things go go, you yeah. know, race to the bottom to where the 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 the, mm-hmm. the marginal tax rate on the poor went up and up and up and the ones on the rich went down and down and down. Yeah. And like when you get to the 80s, it does like that. That thing is like, you know, dun, 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 bonk. Yeah. so I don't want to undo everything that happened to Reagan years. I mean. Yeah. Uh, like I, mean, I said I was like I used for, to be a conservative. Well, I, mean, I still feel like I'm personally conservative
1: as somebody who, for example, I really believe in open borders immigration. I think that the uh, the uh, borders of the United States should basically be open for anybody in the entire world who wants to come here for just about any reason, except for people who've engaged in violence are members of violent organizations or have some kind of contagious disease temporarily. Man,
0: I, I don't right. have any opinion. That seemed actually as uh, as kind of like an open hearted guy than I am uh, that believes in the, the story, uh, at least the, the America's marketing material. Um I agree with that reflexively. I mean that However, was that
1: was America's position on immigration until the early 1900s.
0: Hell yeah, brother. But it does seem like a fact of the ma- uh, f- um to push back on that again to play devil's advocate cuz that's kind of what I want too. It does seem like a fact of the matter that almost every western country with strong social safety nets is very hard to get into
1: well i'll tell you if i had to choose i would choose individual freedom uh, open borders over social safety nets if i had to choose because i think for really people priority, absolutely people should be free to come and go as they see fit and if you're telling me i have to choose between the two i would choose that within a heartbeat but i don't think you have to choose between the two because immigrants who come here are so productive and so uh, especially once they have their second generation they're Why? so extremely productive and wealthy that if you want to talk about well maybe we should say certain people shouldn't get certain benefits until they're citizens that's one thing but ultimately uh, yeah you know the united states uh could absolutely shoulder the expansion of the welfare state to accommodate. Um, you know. Um but yeah, I if I had to choose, um, then I would choose individual freedom. I don't think I have to
0: choose because ultimately immigrants are so um, Why do you think prosperous. the other developed countries have their heads so far up their asses there then? I think
1: a lot of developed countries, first of all, have an ethnic basis to them. I don't think you can, for example, so easily go to Germany and become a German, or France and become a Frenchman, or Japan and become Japanese, as you can come to America and be an American. Which I think is one of the most. Is that something? Is that like a a conscious thing that they've done,
0: or or is that just the way things are and they haven't really? For example, in Japan,
1: it's a conscious thing people have done. I mean, they've only recently talked about expanding immigration, and it's been a very conscious argument. So the notion, so like the United States, the fact that it is not an ethnically based nation, I think is one one huge reason. Now, there are certainly exceptions to that. For example, Germany has taken in all kinds of immigrants, which is absolutely, uh, absolutely cool. Um, I think that's great. Um, but you know, I mean, a lot, to the extent that a lot of developed countries have the walls that you're talking about, you know, ultimately one, it's worth recognizing, uh, refugees are not immigrants. It's a very different situation. And two, um, you know, uh, look, these countries just just don't uh, don't have the kind of immigration tradition that we have in this country. And by the way, Rivers USA, who just says, "Yikes!" What I mean by that is not that they have less of a claim. I think there shouldn't be any differentiation at all. I think everybody should be allowed into this country. The reason I make that distinction is that some people say that we have a uh, we have a legal obligation as a country to take in refugees, but not to take in economic migrants. Now, I think that's a distinction that is nonsense, and we should we should allow everybody to travel freely in this country because immigrants benefit this country, and that's the way we. Re- things for most of our history and it's and it, it made us prosperous and, and strong but um yeah so I, I mean to the extent they have those uh i, I don't know I, I think it's bad policy
0: i kind of do too i just but i i don't think it's i don't know i, I wonder because like you know america's rife with examples of where we've done things that's bass backwards and we don't really change until we actually experience a negative consequence mm-hmm. to it or we spend a lot of time think. you know like a, a younger generation comes along and like starts questioning and and uh you know Fights against the older generation yeah. or more conservative generation.
1: Yeah, um, it's, uh, but I, it's
0: it's one of the things I, I need to think about a lot because, like, you know, um, it is a pr- tough problem. If you have like these really great social safety nets, and you know, it's as, as you get them on day one of a, a crossing the border that could be a problem i, I don't but i also like to see what um, do you think about like states experimenting with like because uh, mm. i think that's what's eventually going to happen some of the more wealthy states yeah. are going to develop okay. some kind of like universal health care coverage and like extremely yeah, generous good. um you know ubi or mm-hmm. something like that and they're going to have some kind of like well you got to yeah. move in the state and pay taxes for two years before you can get it uh, to take advantage of that yeah. which yeah i seems think reasonable um,
1: There are certain—I don't know the contours of this—but there are certain rules about how a state can discriminate against citizens from other states.
0: Like, for example, I constitution.
1: (laughs) I think you can't. um, I don't know specifically what the rule is, um, but I believe that you couldn't say, for example, you got to leave for two years. Um, But uh, you know, I think another thing that makes it difficult is just that most of the taxation in our system is federal, and the state taxation is a comparatively smaller slice of it. And the federal government hands money back to the states and block grants and Things like that. Maybe there's a lot of have- headroom then, right? What's that?
0: like there's a lot of headroom then because our taxes are low in comparison to the rest of the western world so like a state like California could just arbitrarily jack up their state tax rates to get a, a, a like Icelandic style social safety net. Yeah, I think and,
1: we, I think we have less room than than folks might think. Like for example, I saw huh. a great video by this guy knowing better on YouTube who um who investigated huh. the question of costs of healthcare between the US and the United Kingdom, you know, Great Britain. And what was interesting was um that he said, "Yes, uh, Americans have lower taxes by comparison to British, but when you when you add in the cost of taxes plus health insurance, and then compare that to the taxes in Great Britain, which cover both, you know, ta- everything that you pay for taxes and then health insurance, fair enough. The British taxpayer is basically coming out ahead and getting the same yeah. quality health care. So I don't, I don't know that we do have so much room to raise taxes. I mean, we, we probably have yeah. uh, some depending on who's being taxed.
0: But yeah, I pay twelve hundred bucks a month to cover me and my wife and my kids. So, yeah. so I mean, uh, so like if you're if you're not replacing that
1: immediately, that's a that's quite a bite,
0: you know, but. Hmm. Uh, I want to go back to, because I I, want to go back because we got uh, sidetracked a bunch of stuff. I want to go back to the existence of billionaires and how I'm troubled by it, because I didn't feel like you really made me feel good about. Okay. Uh, I like to make, okay. And this is going to maybe because like, I also like to kind of challenge you on like some some property rights things, too, because you mentioned um, you have a problem with billionaires. And, and the, I, I took a bunch of notes when you were talking to serfs and you mentioned that uh, you didn't have a problem with uh, most wealth being inherited.
1: Yeah, I don't. That, uh, Why, that, that's, that's Why I does mean- that bother you? Look, if I want to give something to my kids, then I, you know, I should be free to do that. It's one of the, you know, that's one of the probably most uh, most uh, fundamental elements of the human experience is wanting to create a better life for your children than you yourself had, and that's that's one way of doing it is to pass on to your kids the best uh, best circumstances available. Now, there are some people with other values and who think no, you know, uh, uh, your interest in helping your children is secondary to my interest in feeling equal or whatever. Um, but I think that is, uh, I, I don't think that's uh, reasonable. And again, somebody who believes going back to that equal, equal freedom,
0: thing. Though because oh, I don't, I don't know that that's exact, exactly a socialist point of view. Like going back to the monkey experiment, like you know, if I, if I, my next door neighbor monkey was making bricks and he's getting a hundred mm-hmm. grapes, and I'm, I'm, am handing my pebble and I'm making a cucumber.
1: Well, I do reject the notion that we are like as simple and reducible like, like it's, so one to one to monkeys. Like I think that human beings have very you know complex desires and goals, and one of those desires and goals is to put their kids in, in the best possible position they can to give them the best life they can. And okay. I think the notion of, like, handing over wealth through inheritance is is one way of doing that. I mean, ultimately, if I think you should be able to spend your money fundamentally in whatever way you see fit, then I think you should also be able to spend it, you know, during your last hurrah after you're dead with respect to inheritance. Like, I don't really see anything different about that particular transaction. Um, So.
0: Well, isn't like the whole like – Presumably if you are against inheritance, the this... you would
1: also be against the notion of just giving your kid $5 million. You know, Suppose you had an inheritance of, a, of a, you know I don't know, $5 million or whatever. Presumably yeah. if you're against inheritance, you're also against them holding on to that money and giving it to their kids prior to their death since that seems to have the same result. And presumably then you're just against them having it in the first place because you don't want them to dispose of it in the way they see fit.
0: I tend to make a lot of um, analogies and like pop culture references because I find it a good way to get people talking about the underlying issues because, you know, you get bogged down and like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not engaging in my monkey metaphor, for example. Yeah. Um, we, we have a hard time, uh, you know, kind of talking about it. trying to get to the I'm trying yeah. to get to like what what is what is your bedrock here on this? Because and maybe this is just your intersection of uh, liberal democracy and capitalism, because it seems mm-hmm. like capitalism would want to make the most effective use of that that capital um but then it goes against your uh, property rights and uh unlimited no. ability to do whatever you want with your own money Absolutely. and giving that to your yeah your i children. mean
1: like efficiency and and like the best use of, of capital and all that is dictated by market forces and ultimately it's voluntary mm. you don't have to put your capital to the most efficient use if you don't want to you can you can piss it away there on, uh, be... on nonsense if you want i mean but that's do, ultimately do you... your right
0: how do you feel about death taxes then? Like, um, you know, like a government takes X amount of money when you, when you die.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I intrinsically, I, I intrinsically don't like that unless there's some, huh. some justification for it. I mean, ideally what I would prefer, I suppose, would be to, uh, to, um, uh, to tax, uh, tax incomes rather than tax accumulated wealth. But you know, uh, ultimately, if you if you could so, decide some kind of empirical justification that like this is the okay, best way to let me, so, new uh, and, you know, and and, sort, and, maybe. OK,
0: I'll, I'm going to make an attempt and and be be easy on me because it's not like I've, I've honed this. This is like a brand new virgin argument. I've never heard it. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, and I, and, I, and I've, I've never tried it out on anybody. No worries. I, I, um, I try to be friendly and try to be chill. Yeah. No. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so property rights yeah isn't it weird that we're so strong about the concept of property rights when long term the concept of personal property is really kind of crazy if you uh, think about it in it, terms of human history and where we're at and where we came from and where we're going
1: how's it how's it crazy in your, in your opinion, who
0: gave you you own your you, so you bought a house yeah um who gave you that land
1: Uh, Yeah, I bought it from, uh, you know, the bank and the bank. uh, I mean, you know where I'm
0: going with this. They got it from something. But eventually somebody just came over and said, this is mine. I found it first. It's mine. It's mine. So I'm going to I'm going to go in. ai am going to go in another in this run. We dovetail both the billionaire concept and private. Yeah, what what you just
1: described there, like that that notion, I mean, ultimately is the same as like, why do we bother having a state? I mean, presumably because we we think that uh, we think that the notion of having a state with uh, with uh, laws and courts and police is better than. Sure. A state or the lack of a state where you just take what you want, like, but like uh, and, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, I guess there is the notion of unclaimed land, too, although I mean, that's, that's uh, probably a site specific issue. And I mean, going back 1000s of years, though, I guess there was an original claim to every piece of land, you know, the only question is whether or not the land was passed peaceably or taken by force.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the that so that's I guess that's one of my other like arguments for like future socialism is because it does seem like that um, I don't know we all as virtue of, of of being the species that you know are the only conscious ones on the planet that we all jointly own it
1: yeah I don't, um, is, that I that? don't is that like, like I, uh, I I don't know I you know maybe the uh, like it sounds like the argument is um, because uh, property was originally you know in some cases at least. You know, in many cases, I'll in say, all cases, it was taken, a smash and grab. I don't know that that's necessarily you true. You go back historically long we, we enough. Probably, if, was... you, if you go back historically long enough, every chain of title has been broken up forcibly. I'll probably go with that. Yes. I go all, right, with that. all right. All right. Um, but I mean, it, saying what you're saying is basically, well, because there was some violence in human history, we should engage in basically one last act of violent expropriation and take everybody's land and abolish the concept of property rights. And that to me is like, you know, it's like saying, whoa, well, whoa, because I said anything crime, about violence. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, when the government takes something from you, that's violence.
0: What if everybody agrees that that's what we want to do? That's that's
1: like a fantasy. There's no situation which everybody would agree. There's only a situation where perhaps. Why do we I say, why did, why did say we to this
0: situation just because the first monkey that claimed a, a, okay. a rock gets it? Like, why do we agree to that? Because here's, here's my fundamental problem with neoliberalism is that it does no, seem no, like wait, 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 there's a little what bit What you're of, saying
1: here, just to be clear, I mean, what you're saying is um, and post yeah. asked who should get the land on the moon. The United States should get the land on the moon.
0: But, Holy uh, shit, you're we, violating the the this this the space treaty? Abrogate the treaty and claim the moon. <laughs> but anyway, um
1: but be, beyond that, like what you're saying is ultimately the the um the notion or the idea is okay, if we can democratically take everybody's take everybody's land, you know, um that's great and the minority that loses out in this election, uh well, you know, hey, they had their chance, they couldn't persuade their neighbors, so they lose their stuff. And that argument to me fundamentally is like <laughs> That that is the argument that has that has ruined that uh, uh, has caused the worst in American history. I mean, okay. every racial minority, for example, that was crushed by mm-hmm. uh crushed by, by force of government or by the lack of government when it allowed their sure. their violent racist neighbors to to abuse and, and and ruin them. I mean that's oh yeah that's, that's what, a real, that's what like think... majority rule in and of itself unchecked means to me. So like the notion that we have uh, the notion that we have land um, that is all redistributed but it's by a democratic election, that is not that, there's no special legitimacy to that to me. I mean, that could. But there's no special. Sense.
0: That's what I'm. Like, but there's also no special legitimacy to property rights in general. Well, like I think I, I think there is.
1: How. Um, Ultimately, because I want this land as my property, I have acquired mm-hmm. it voluntarily. The only objection here that you've posed is that at some point in the indeterminate past, some kind of crime was committed at some point, probably no, not even necessarily that, crime, like a person, thing is, even though we've all engaged, you know, in as far as any of us have been alive, for the most part in voluntary mm-hmm. transactions, those voluntary transactions are abrogated by the fact that at some point back in history, people who long ago died. Well, something, you know, some transgression was made, therefore the entire system of voluntary transactions is illegitimate. I uh, mean that seems to so be like, what you're saying.
0: Uh, so it could be as, as transgressive as a person walked across a land bridge and said, Yes, this is mine now. Yeah. Like that's no one no violence was committed there. Well, I mean, like, why that's like it was the that- multi the land. Right. Yeah, but I mean, isn't so that like, wild isn't that like wildly unfair and I nonsensical so. i don't think Why? so i mean
1: i ultimately Why? that there's no other way to live i mean that's that's like the notion of like uh, you know, OK, this thing in nature is mine now. I mean, that, you know, at some point somebody had to start with that. Like, uh, you know, that, that's like human survival. You see resources in nature and you acquire them. I mean, you could make arguments, I think, that to the extent that is um, ended by virtue of the fact that society has generally agreed in the notion of property rights, Thomas Paine and common sense, or maybe this wasn't in common sense. This wasn't in common Sorry, this wasn't in common sense. This wasn't something else he wrote. Thomas Paine basically made the argument that the existence of property rights means that there should be some kind of citizen's dividend which you get in exchange for the fact that you agree not to take everybody else's stuff, you know, because of that abrogation of the state nature. Alright, there you maybe, go. Now you're talking there's some argument there. I don't know that Sounds I agree like with that, but I think that's, as, as, that's a fine... Because I, I, I guess that's what I'm
0: saying is like there needs to, someone needs to address the original absurdity, and now we're seeing this I don't, like the, I don't the, think the, we need the, to the struggle
1: address between, the
0: original absurdity Wait a second, but now we gotta <laughs> a a not so distant past Mm -hmm. problem where we have broadly speaking like the global north has done a lot of smash and grab Mm -hmm. in the last century or two Mm -hmm. against the global south Mm -hmm. and And who is the global north
1: just to be clear do you know I mean, yeah, i'm I'm curious what you think the global North
0: is because okay. i like
1: I recognize most of the, the develop- most of the
0: highly most of the highly yeah. developed but the global north usually is it, it's it's yeah. uh, although developed nations uh, and Australia, like, and the, the global South yeah. is like most of Africa, most of South America, yeah. and, um parts and, of South Asia.
1: The reason I'm very skeptical of Middle this concept East. is during the same period, the global north, quote unquote, um, engaged in two disastrous wars in which it killed 100 million of its own people and destroyed it's itself Also involved twice. the global south. And I totally acknowledge that, but like this notion of like this global north being like this solidarity, this entity that has acted in concert or acted Dude. in one step. I mean, it's one, it's, one,
0: it's one group is in, one group is the United
1: in States has a very unique history, as does France, as does Britain, as does Germany, and the notion that they can all be lumped together because they all have a higher uh, you know a higher GDP. I mean, I, I don't, I really don't concede that. I mean, the history of Japan for me okay, okay, is okay. very different. And for, for any yes, Westerner very- to say, well, it's the, it's the global north right it's it's i mean it's a very different history than say the united that's States. really
0: interesting because japan wanted to join that global north and mm. uh in in the early 20th century late 19th century and essentially the global north said nah yeah so uh, we're we so, we going to deny yeah. your aspirations mm-hmm. for imperialism even yeah. though you have the means yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. and desire to, to carry yeah. out because it's just that's not something we're gonna let happen yeah so
1: that that to me seems like a very unhelpful term like the notion of saying um you know of the term social technocracy or technology when in in fact, what you're saying, what I think you're referencing is the United States and Great Britain rejected Japan's attempt to, um, to add a racial equality clause to the Versailles Treaty of, I think, 1919. And that was absolutely, uh, you know, that was terrible, but that was also something specifically related to the racism, specifically the racism of Great Britain and the United States. But, you know, uh, France, for example, very, very different history, very different country. Um, so to say, like, the global north excluded Japan, no, it was racist in America and Britain. You know and and so like i think to just say the global north and the global south really kind of oversimplifies things I'm yeah
0: like- well here's the here's where it's simple there's one of those uh, bodies that have engaged in colonization and mm-hmm. uh you know exploitation of the other and mm-hmm. there's one that hasn't mm-hmm. like you know uh no african nation has colonized parts of north america and kicked off the mm-hmm. native populations and mm-hmm. uh by right of conquest or discovery or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it just laid yeah. claim these vast sums yeah. of territory and natural resources and it just seems like everything that's that's why again where I come back to like seems like socialism is going to win in the long term because there's no way to really undo that essential fairness cuz like what what I hear you say every time you say oh property rights has to be sacrosanct property is like hey we really like the way this stuff is, div- uh, is, is mm-hmm. uh, divided right now. And we decided that as educated, powerful nations mm-hmm. and the way the board is set right now is the way it's set. And we're going to dictate the terms of anyone else joining that club. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't like, you know, especially when you got climate change putting pressure on mm-hmm. these nations, like mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to like that. That, that path seems like it's going to lead to bloodshed.
1: Uh, like, I, I think that the path of like depriving people of their property rights historically is much like a lead to bloodshed.
0: But again, and, I'm not talking and, about going around and doing that. I'm talking about convincing people of this argument. Of fact what that argument? like base the fact that there has been a uh, mm-hmm. there's been a group mm-hmm. of nations that have sure. taken advantage of other groups of nations mm-hmm. and that wasn't sure. fair. And we would never allow that to happen in the 21st mm-hmm. century. Yeah. And it's it's like it's it seems yeah. really unfair to freeze a state in the game and say, like, we took all these advantages and we used all these dirty tricks to get ahead yeah. and nobody else can do it. Well, and-
1: so that's, that's another thing. Like, I feel like the uh, the uh, the advantages that the colonial nations got out of colonization. Maybe somewhat overstated, given that the richest countries in the world don't seem to have had any colonies at all. Switzerland, Norway, Luxembourg, Iceland, uh, Singapore, for example, Sweden. Yeah, but they also Sweden. like.
0: Late I mean, these in the countries actually
1: were very much abused. Um and, and uh Good, for example, but, Finland. But. Finland used to be a Russian colony. Um, why are
0: they doing so well now though, Bastia?
1: Because of good policy, not because Finland built a mm-hmm. colonial empire. In N- nothing Africa.
0: about oceans of, uh, hydrocarbons uh, happen to be that their the, the countries are happen to be on top of out yeah, in Norway. Ocean Norway is a good
1: example of a country that has, you know, had a, had a lucky break. I mean, there's a, there's, yeah. um, Equatorial Guinea, for example, in Africa also sits upon an ocean of oil and has also had a lot of wealth. The difference between Norway and Equatorial Guinea, I don't think is the colonial history so much as it is the policy decisions that were made in Norway. The government, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, made the decision to have uh, that oil basically controlled by the, uh, you know, in, in some kind of a large-scale trust fund uh, that would be managed democratically and all that. Um, and in Equatorial Guinea, it's controlled by a dictator. So, uh, I mean, I think those are policy choices. And you could say, well, maybe the reason Equatorial Guinea made that policy choice is because of its colonial history. Now, I don't know. But again, these are countries that, you know, like this is a, this is a country that, um, uh, you know, like this is a country that didn't have a colonial empire that didn't, I mean, it, 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 there were some, I guess, like Scandinavian trading posts around the world, but like nothing like Britain, France, uh,
0: Spain. It feels like you're uh, arguing from the exception though, because <laughs> no, like, generally speaking, well, uh, the, the yeah. most wealthy countries, sure. most powerful countries did have large empires, sure. did have well, let's large. let about some cl- of those
1: powerful countries with empires. For example, Portugal was the first in the, the real global empire game and Portugal mm-hmm. by, uh, you know, by the, the uh, 20th century was still one of the poorest countries in Europe. Spain, which also had a massive colonial empire, uh, you know, only recently caught up with Western European standards of living. Um, and and keep in mind, Spain and Portugal were able to stay out of the two world wars for the most part. Portugal did was involved in World War One, but, but neither of them – You know, I guess Spain didn't have the Spanish Civil War, but the kind of whole-scale devastation that came with the world wars was so uh, – I mean, these countries mostly, I'd say mostly, escaped it by comparison. Certainly Portugal did. Um, so like the notion that colonial empire equals great domestic wealth that that no other country can catch up to, I mean, I just don't, I don't think it's borne out. I mean, other countries that had great wealth, for example, like Germany, their colonial empires were relatively paltry. Italy, um, relatively paltry. Austria-Hungary, no colonial empire to speak of. And of course, Russia, which became the Soviet Union, though they had their colonies in Eastern Europe, they, they had no overseas possessions really to speak of. Although they did try. They did try to get a colony in Africa after World War II, but...
0: The allies. And they had their own vast resources and, and tracks. Yeah. Of land and what's but but I guess what, what I'm supported. arguing
1: against here is the notion that there is like this easy north south divide when, in fact, I think there are a few countries, uh, for example, Britain and France uh, that have serious and indeed ongoing colonial and quasi colonial footprints. And then other countries that have just, I think, got rich because of good policy.
0: I don't know I'm not to With think example, on that one so think about that because, you know Africa
1: uh, post-independence a lot of African countries went for the socialist road um, but some countries in Africa didn't um, uh, countries like for example Botswana um, a sub-Saharan uh, African country that we've talked about a couple of times yeah. on this channel um, you, know, it, you know it really hasn't talked about in the news very much but it's had gradually increasing standards of living uh, it's a relatively liberal relatively capitalist democracy um, that certainly wasn't given any kind of special status by virtue of being a British colony it was as abused as any other colony, um, but, you know, through through good policy choices, it had better outcomes. Um, similarly, uh, Zimbabwe, another British uh, colony nearby, made some really, uh, well, actually, that, that story is pretty tragic because they had like an inborn fascist regime in Rhodesia that really devastated things. Um, but uh, then afterward, Robert Mugabe took power and uh, his policy choices left the country pretty bad off. Um, so, I mean, I guess I just, the notion that these countries are not In any way, masters of their own Um, destiny—that their independence basically hasn't meant anything—I
0: think it's tough. um, It's it's a tough argument because the thing is again their agency. Well, but we have—I mean, you know—the whole continent of Africa was arbitrarily divided up, and and yeah, I'm saying like. yeah, maybe ideally every culture Would have their own planet you'd have some kind of Star Trek Style uh, you know uh, Prime directive where We're going to respect their sovereignty Until they get to some kind of stage Of industrial and then we'll make first contact And then we can integrate them into our society as equals and that didn't happen and I'm, I'm not saying that this, this stuff was immoral It's like I go back to the illustration of the first monkey That woke up and said holy shit I killed my brother Do you think that, um, do you
1: think that it would be better if Like different cultures had their own specific Territorial entities because ultimately I don't really... I don't really think that that's necessary. Like in the United like, States, I think we have demonstrated imperfectly, but nevertheless, that people from everywhere in the world can. No, be- I'm
0: not going with like a racial mm-hmm. ethnic. It's more of like um, a quantity of people and a quantity of resources and allow them to experiment to see, yeah. you know, because like there's not, you know, that, that's, it's a, an impossible thought experiment. Like everybody could have their own petri dish. And, but, but what I'm getting at is it does seem like, because you're, you're talking about how Spain and Porto, Portugal got, mm-hmm. um, you know, taken down as world powers, that was mm-hmm. because of like, you know, different uh, uh, military technologies uh, oh, that that um, for that, example that swayed the, the 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 course of of history and it just seems like again at the end of the day let's let's go a thousand years in the future it seems ridiculous to argue that some nations or people should be wealthier than others because they had were like an a civilization like a civ five way <laughs> were like a few t- t- trees up on the tech ladder than the others and they were able to take advantage and exploit things that others didn't and it's um, like
1: yeah, i mean i think uh, i think there's certainly an element of luck like Europe kind of lucked out with the industrial revolution. I don't think there's anything about, about Europeans or something that, you know, made them inherently better. It just, I think they, they had a combination of geography and history that, that kind of led to, you know, industrialization, the first spark being lit in, uh, you know, in, in, in Britain, right. And then spreading from there. But, um i guess i i just uh, i think that policy choices are a lot more important than historical um historical events not everywhere i mean for example there are some places where you know historical events absolutely are still driving places down for example in haiti um which was uh, saddled with a french indemnity for most of its history and then and then repeatedly abused but i think that um you know i think that that uh, you know, and there are, there are other countries with that kind of history. But, but I think that um, policy choices uh, are more important, I think, than a lot of people give them credit for. And I don't think you can just sort of just divide the world in two and say, well, basically, things are hopeless until one um, fundamentally gives a lot of resources to the other. Um, because I think the narrative that, you know, the global north is rich purely through exploitation of the global south is false. And indeed, I think the most tragic thing about some of that exploitation, I think the, um, the most tragic thing about some of the exploitation is that so much of the wealth was wasted. Like the Spanish Empire, for example, which extracted huge amounts of wealth. From South America, Latin America, mm-hmm. or, or what became Latin America—I suppose it wasn't Latin America at the time—but what became Latin America uh, wasted most of that wealth in pointless wars in Western Europe, um, and ultimately, uh, its dreams uh, were—you know—it it, it ended in a crisis of hyperinflation, military disaster in the country uh, at the height of its empire. It was no better off than at the at the indeed maybe even worse off than it was at the at the start of its empire. So, like this notion that col- you know colonial empire made everybody richer—I feel like ultimately the the uh, I, I don't think, think it's all true
0: or all false, but I think it's a little bit maybe more true than, than your grandfather. I'll you hey, I I'll, I'll, I'll need to
1: like for the French, uh, I think the French empire, uh, uh, you know, you could argue that the French empire actually continues on to this day, given the way that they, um, the, uh, the French government maintains, um, requires some, uh, countries in, um, the, uh, CFA region of Africa, the CFA being, um, a currency, I think, pegged to the, the Euro, um, in order to access their currency, um, France has this deal where it requires these countries to hold a certain amount of this money in French banks, and the conditions in which they can get access to their money um, you know, are very limited. France has um, intervened in its former colonies, I think, over sixty times since their independence. So, I think you could argue that, in some ways, you know, uh, the legacy of colonialism is still very much alive. Whereas, in other ways, maybe in you know former British colonies, uh, it's it's less uh, less true. So.
0: Do you think capitalism requires limitless growth or continual growth, and is that possible to extend into the future how far into the future do you think it's possible hmm. to extend
1: um so does it probably uh let's see uh, does it involve or does it require a, a, a limitless growth um probably yeah I mean I suppose if capitalism stopped growing people would you know stop um would, would you know, like the the growth in population? If the economy didn't 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 grow um, in tandem with it, yeah, uh, I think that. Because I get. don't
0: know if you if you read any papers, because uh, like um you know there was uh a lot of worry early in the 20th century, the population growth would be limitless and explode. Yeah. But now we've gotten more data as far as yeah. like, you know, as technology increases, education yeah. increases, women uh, mm-hmm. enter the workforce, it kind of levels off. I think a lot of, a lot of scientists, scientists, futurists now say that like the world, the population is going to spike a little bit above 10 billion, but eventually uh, kind of sus- reach a sustainable point unless we really screw things up. Um, um, and then what, what, cause I guess that's the other um, potential argument for here comes socialism. Is when we get to a place where the population is stagnant, we fully developed everyone's economies yeah. and, you know, there is no more possible sustained growth. Yeah. What, are we going to just still allow people to have trillions and some people be dirt poor, or is there going to be some kind of mass, you know, well, d- d- demand to redistribute redis- that?
1: Yeah. I mean, just to be clear. And out, on what basis I'm...
0: would the trillionaires say no? If, if the population stops growing, like, I
1: don't know whether that yeah, would itself if like... change anything other than I guess that, that um there would be less economic growth because there would be fewer uh fewer people being born but i guess like it, i could still imagine an increasingly dynamic and efficient economy right um like, I mean, maybe I, I don't know, though, that the leveling off of population growth necessarily means an end to economic growth in any way. Like you can you can imagine automation going along with it. So even though, for example, there are fewer people working in factories, there are more robots working in factories. And sure. I tend to believe that the desire of human beings to consume is basically bottomless, is basically limitless. Human beings agree that. consume almost, you know, I mean, I, I, maybe there's some limit, but I, I have reached it. Um, so uh, I think probably uh, growth could continue on forever. Um, You know, once we expand it out into space, um, you know, yeah. So I I don't really – I mean, I guess if you imagine a situation in which we are trapped on Earth and can't expand – um, I don't know, maybe that's, that's different, but like if you, if you were able to even, even engage in a comparatively simple task of not even like colonizing another planet or a star system, but just like mining asteroids with, with robot drones, um, like the amount of, uh, of precious metals in some of these asteroids is so, so massive that just, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know, like maybe you get one of these platinum asteroids and you bring it, bring it down to earth somehow. And uh, I don't know, maybe you get hyperinflation because who not, gets that wealth? So much, well, i presumably whoever finds the asteroid and brings it back and turns oh, it into uh, turns it into something they can um, hmm. sell
0: because they they, they they did it all
1: well it depends like for example if they had a government grant that paid for it then presumably then some some part of that should go to the government um, you know but if they I guess if they raised it through private capital um, yeah then then yeah I have no issue with them having it all presumably it would be taxed the same way any other income would be you know so if you bring this, back like, your trillion dollar asteroid you'd still have to pay whatever your tax on that is but
0: where does the wealth um, inequality? get to before you start having moral and ethical issues with it? Is it limitless? Like um, someone could literally be a, um, a quintillionaire and you still have people starving on the planet and it's still like, well, they earned the money fair and square. Cause I, I go back to like, um, I'm going to make another pop culture analogy. You watch the walking dead.
1: Yeah. I've seen the walking dead.
0: All right, so you got Rick Grimes. He's got his post-apocalyptic band of survivors, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone's you know surviving under a meager portion of beans. Mm-hmm. And then someone rolls up, uh, and they found a factory that had beans in. They got a billion cans of beans now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah does rick grimes let that guy keep his billion cans of beans if everybody else has got one or two cans of beans
1: No, well, i mean is in, there was a moral society. ethical argument
0: and, and then like oh i'm sorry and then if we think of ourselves as a global species how are we not like in this like currently i mean i'm saying we could think our way out we could evolve our way out we could technology our way out but it seems like that's the situation we're in which is, is why i think socialism has the appeal because that this seems
1: Yeah, I totally understand the appeal of socialism. I mean, you got something, I want it. I get it. I mean, I get it, man. I, like, it's not I, just I
0: want it. I need it. I need it to live. Sure. The, to live the notion of stop. like
1: needs, but I'm already conceding that I want to have a social welfare state that will provide basic needs. I don't think, though, that that's really where most people want to stop. Like, for example, you keep talking about trillionaires and billionaires, but at a certain mm-hmm. point, like, uh, you know, like the at a certain point, they're diminishing returns in some ways. For example, does the billionaire really have so much more uh, power to influence our politics than the multimillionaire? Does the quintillionaire really yes. have much more power at that point? Yes. What exactly? Oh my God, think- yeah. Yes. Like for example, Michael Bloomberg spent two hundred million dollars, and what did it get him? Fucking nothing. He got he won an election in American Samoa, you know, and that was the most money I believe any single uh, candidate ever put into Man. their own election. Like he, you he's know, he's a terrible he candidate. The notion that it's just money, right? I think that there's. I think it's more. What, if he, had an al-
0: what if he had an ounce of charisma? Yeah, and- what if he had an
1: ounce of charisma? Apparently, if he had an ounce of charisma, he probably wouldn't have had to spend two hundred million fucking dollars to do it.
0: But uh, but I'm saying like there's that's a, I I just think that it's. It seems okay. It feels like a ridiculous statement to say that a billionaire or even a trillionaire has no more political power than no, no, a I'm not, multimillionaire. I'm not saying that, but I,
1: I am saying that at a certain point, I do think there are diminishing returns. Like, but but let's say I guess that I I concede what you're saying, which is at a certain point, okay, you can you can spend a lot on political messaging. Okay. Well, um, fundamentally, I don't have any issue with the ability of people being able to put out as much messaging as they want. Um, I feel like that's a fundamental, like, free speech issue. You should be able to, you know, do as much uh, free speaking as you like.
0: So, it's a tough you, problem. I'll grant that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's any, any, uh, any justification to limit that. Like, for example, the, um, you know, when we talk about it, we always think about causes we don't like getting this money. But you know, suppose a cause you do like gets this money. Like, I know Destiny talks about like the, you know, some cause for. Uh, for global warming for example to, to raise awareness about that so suppose some trillionaire or some billionaire like mark um, uh, what was his name styer comes in and says this is the biggest issue of our time we need to spend millions and millions of, and millions of dollars on messaging to make it uh, clear that everybody uh, uh you need to do something about climate change because this is a big issue does anybody i mean do you have a problem with that
0: uh i mean well, under the current system like no, is it message is it
1: message dependent or would you be willing but to I, say look i, I, I don't guess... care what your message is whether i agree with it or not basically i want to muzzle you because your voice is crowding out other voices
0: yes i agree okay. i think i fall more on that side okay so because how, I, I
1: yeah so whose voice is crowded out like what what when you buy i understand like there's only so much tv advertising out there mm-hmm. okay there's only yeah. so many minutes a day there are only so but many I, will, I will grant before we start like, that this is
0: a very tough problem that i spend a lot of time thinking about yeah. Yeah, so like I, I, I get you know. that this is not like easy. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. just muzzle the right people. Like, yeah, I get that.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I think that it. Um, I think ultimately, you know, one of the great things about the internet is that it has made it much easier for people to to have an audience who otherwise didn't have one before. Um, and to to build an audience not just based on on cash, but on you know on charisma and other things as well. So I'm not saying that you know, I mean, money certainly helps. Um, I don't deny that at all. But I don't think that um. I one don't think it helps so much that there's any justification to therefore you know violate freedom of speech. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I guess even if it did, I think freedom of speech should take priority. You know, so um, well I think there's a case for limiting it when you have um, when you have uh, you know like a very limited spectrum, like when there's only so much space, like on the on maybe on a you know on a uh, you know you know back like in in former times where you you had three channels, you know, and and the government you know was was handing out licenses for those three channels and there was only so much bandwidth i think there's some more case there but but uh you know today where there's so many ways to reach people i just i just don't see it
0: Man, it seems like uh, that that's a uh, that argument cuts both ways because it's it's so easy to get your 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 voice out there and anyone can do it. That it's uh, you're, you've gotten back to like it's kind of a like dumb luck whether you get an audience or not. You know, no. there's, there's tons like you know you grant there's tons of charismatic people mm-hmm. uh, trying to get an audience that don't get it, and there's tons of people that are uh, you know wet blankets that do get the spotlight yeah. uh, that are particularly dim bulbs that you know might might work their way into running the richest most powerful country in the world. Yeah. Um, so it's like there's always going to be some kind of randomness and unfairness it just seems like if you have someone that can literally take their pocket change out and outspend 99.9 mm-hmm. percent of everyone that that is a problem that's a and that's something that's like a problem that's like kind of unique to the last hundred or so years of, of human society and it's something that looks like it's going to get worse unless we do stuff to to and that goes back to my illustration of like you know Should, if if you got three commas in your bank account, do you get magic influence powers? And and I I understand you want to say that, well, it's not that big of an advantage, but it certainly is an advantage. Well, even if, Um, I
1: mean, yeah, I guess ultimately, even if it was, I don't think that I would be comfortable with that being an argument for therefore limiting the amount of of, uh, political activity you can engage in. Like, I think there are reasonable justifications, limit the amount you can give to a specific candidate, but that's not really what we're talking about because those limits are already there. What I think we're talking about is basically money spent on messaging. They're pretty Porous your, well, I, I don't conceive that it's porous like to um, like the amount of money you can give to a candidate. I don't I don't see mm. that. Those are those limits are pretty, um, pretty clean. Like the the real the limitless uh, area is the amount of money you can give to super PACs. Um, but
0: we've already seen a lot of where there's like loosely or lo- not like loosely coupling and, and coordination between those packs and candidates. Yeah. And so, for example,
1: if, um, you know, if I want to make an anti or a pro candidate super pack and then give as much money mm-hmm. as I you know want to that, then I can do that, provided the candidate doesn't have any control over what it is I'm doing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I just but... don't see a problem with that personally, because I think ultimately that's that's a matter of free expression. If you can convince somebody who's got a lot of money to join your cause, okay. You know, but I, I don't like, or if you you know have a lot of money and you have a particular cause, I guess I, I just don't, I don't think that there's an argument to limit it just because you've got more money, just because you've got a bigger, a bigger, um, a bigger megaphone. I mean, because I think big mega big megaphones come in a variety of ways. Um, Variety forms. I, I mean, money is just one of them. And ultimately, I think that the, to me, the response to, to speech we disagree with is more speech rather than to limit the amount of speech somebody can engage in. Now, maybe you could take an end run around that and just limit the amount of money somebody is allowed to have, right? Which doesn't imperil their speech rights, right? You're just saying you can never have more than ten That's an dollars
0: yeah Um, so like i i um but that i think has its own own
1: would have its own strange and and can we
0: talk about that because that's uh, where i wanted to go next actually um because like i don't want to legislate or confiscate billionaire's wealth but like um so i would make another pop culture analogy in star trek there's a the concept of the warp factor yeah. and they've they've reworked that in recent years where the maximum warp is 10 mm-hmm. and if you ever achieve warp 10 you're essentially occupying uh, all points in the galaxy uh, or universe simultaneously because you're going infinitely fast um and uh you so it's essentially impossible to get there mm-hmm. um and in fact as you get closer it's it, it goes uh, it, the energy used to get Uh, increasing fractionals of warp, like going, you know, going warp nine, Mm going warp 9.1 takes 10 times more energy. It gets going, 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 going. So like it gets tougher and tougher to faster and faster you go. In my experience, and I've had a little, you know, I've, I'm a, I'm a successful business owner. I've, I've started uh, three different companies over Mm -hmm. my 43 years. um, And I've observed that it's very hard to earn your first hundred thousand um, once you get around that, it gets a little bit easier and easier. It's almost like a rocket taking off from the earth. Like yeah. once you punch through those first 40 miles of atmosphere, then boy, you're really on fire. And then once you get out of that, your acceleration is faster and faster, faster. That seems fucked up. I think that the way we should organize the economics of society should be more like the warp factor where like as you get more and more money, each each additional dollar gets harder and harder to not, not maybe earn, but to keep um because you know we've got policy there to set up to where you know like uh, it's just the 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 government takes more and more of your money um, and if you want to continue to spend a bunch of money to in those get those fractional returns, and I think that's it seems like that's what capitalists do. Like they'll spend they'll spend a t- they'll spend ten thousand dollars to make ten thousand dollars one cents and then make it up in volume. Why wouldn't that continue to scale? Like if you're taking ninety nine percentile of a uh, like of your of your bill uh, at the marginal rate of a billion dollars, like why why wouldn't that if you set up something like that?
1: Well, so is your is your issue? That you, so your issue is that it's easier to to make money the more money you've got.
0: I'm sorry. Is
1: your issue? Yeah, in, it does in,
0: seem. I mean, uh, yeah, it does seem counterintuitive to me that the more I, money, the, the, the more money you get, the easier it is to make money. Whereas, yeah,
1: like, I don't know why it really would be. I mean, it's just a matter of you have the resources to to make money, and it's easier if you have have money to do that with. Like, maybe if you mean in a sense of fairness, I mean, maybe you know, I don't really. I, but I mean it just seems like you know it's easier to to create something new so provided you have the resources to, to do it rather than having uh-huh. to accumulate the resources to, to, to do that I mean I so I just um, I don't really have a problem with that I don't I mean I guess at a certain point I could see like I for example I support progressive um, taxation. Um, wow. but I, I don't support this it just to the like degree the crazy I think you're advocating that. for where at a certain point it's just like, okay, hundred percent, you know, you're not, you know, or some, some really high number. I mean, like, I, I guess I just don't really, um, like, it, I, I think that I personally would want people with a lot of money to continue to invest in, in grow, you know, like their companies and. Why wouldn't they continue to do so,
0: even though it gets harder and harder?
1: Well, if you're not making any money, like, why would you
0: do that? Why would you spend $10,000 to make $10,000 and one cent on some kind of mining operation? Well, we know people do that. Wait, I mean,
1: you're spending $10,000 because presumably you think you're going to earn more than $10,000.
0: Yeah, you're gonna make ten thousand dollars in one cent, and you're gonna make it up on volume. You're gonna you know you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get that on for every ton of particular material you you mine. So you're gonna mine a million tons, and you're still gonna that's gonna right. end, at the, end of the day be a big pile of money.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, I mean, people it, you do know, that. If you were, if so that's, like, why
0: would they do it if if the the art the expenses the the government taking your your you know taxing your money? Yeah, why would I mean, they continue? because you're saying you're basically, basically adding, adding me ask you it this. on top
1: of. Like, you can do volume with that kind of transaction, but there's no kind of like volumetric argument, like with this government taxation. Like, you're saying the more you make, the less you keep. So it's like the reverse. Um, but Would I don't know the keep either. either. Do I mean, the- I'd be curious, it- Like, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think the rate of profit is. Is quite that low one cent on ten thousand dollars but
0: no again this is I, I i i feel i i'm just making an extreme uh, analogy to see kind at of least like, i guess i would just say this
1: at a certain point um if the government takes so much money away that like why would i continue to invest my money um i'll just spend it on personal consumption but you can't i mean when you're we, talking
0: about billions of dollars you can't do that
1: no they i mean presumably you're saying that at a uh. certain point like do you mean wealth or do you mean income First of all, I mean,
0: income, I mean, income. Okay.
1: So you don't care about how much wealth somebody has. You're saying how much income you have.
0: I do think like I'm a little bit, I'm a, i am I think I'm more pro death tax than you. I don't think it should be a hundred percent, but it should be a chunk. But yeah, like I, I think it's uh, let's let's okay, let's, well, just, let's take on income.
1: And just to be clear, by de- death tax you tax, you just mean the estate tax that we were talking the about. Estate tax. And I I, I, use the, the I like to use okay.
0: a pejorative term just because it's funny.
1: Okay, I'm just curious because you yeah, know the I we we're tax. using both terms. Um, so I just don't. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't really. Uh, like I just want to understand the point of like of limiting it to the point where they're not gonna want to invest it because I understand like the notion of we want to have taxes for the purposes the purpose of. Um, you know, uh, uh, taking care of people at their basic levels for whatever your motivation for that may be. But I don't know that that requires that you just say, OK, at a certain point, you can't make any more money. Like, I think there are two different interests here, really. It seems to be what we're getting at. On the one hand, I am interested. Wait, 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 wait a
0: second. I want to I make sure we're clear. It's not yeah. that you can't make more money. It's just that it gets harder and harder to make those marginal returns. Yeah. So like at so at a you're certain always point, still making more money
1: at a certain point, though, presumably the juice is not worth the squeeze.
0: But why? Okay, so why why do people? Are you saying at a
1: certain point it caps out and so it's always really lucrative? But, you know, you just. Like, are you saying. Like, what it sounds like you're describing here is you want a system that not only takes care of individuals, but limits the power of other individuals. So that at a certain point, you yes. really can't ever become a billionaire. Because once you hit, you know, your certain hundred million dollars, the the Jews is just not worth the squeeze, right? Sorry, mm-hmm. you've hit your ceiling here. You can do more stuff if you want to, but the incentive you can, isn't can, Mar-
0: Yeah, because like, I, I don't, I mean, I, may, I don't understand the psychology of amassing that much wealth and continuing to do it in, in the first place. So it's like, it, it seems to me that there is something that it's like divorced from a person's needs and wants and desires um so why not exploit that and just you know like okay, you can continue to rack up the score and you continue to have a but it's it's going to get harder and harder because we're going to take more money like yeah what is the reason
1: for doing that though
0: like it uh, it, them, it, so it is, to, so it is like, back to my example of like a, a billionaire buying mind control technology i you know well, um, like what is
1: the i mean you're talking about presumably you want to limit lobbying though right.
0: Yeah. Or just like, just, just the outsized influence. Cause I do feel like that, like that much cash and that much power is kind of like, it's like a, a, a giant solar mass. It literally warps the things around it. Um, yeah. and uh, so, like, if you can devise a system where you still grant that people who want to make more money for whatever competitive desire or whatever, uh, that, 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 yeah, you can do that. But is this going to get hard instead of like it is now or gets easier and easier? It gets a little bit harder and harder.
1: I just I don't know. I mean, so the only tool presumably to do that, you'd say, is tax policy. And so you're just going to tax them more like because you don't I mean, because presumably all the th- like. You don't want rich people to be able to put out more messages. You don't want them to be able to buy more property. All these things they can do. You just want to limit their basically freedom of motion by limiting their, you know, max amount of, of money. Right.
0: Yeah. I yeah guess. I guess I'm curious,
1: too. Like, isn't there? Because only, It seems uh, like you have no
0: problems like limiting people's maximum political power.
1: Yeah. I mean, ultimately and there is a, there is a
0: coupling. You might say it's loose. I might say it's strong. There is a coupling between political and economic power. So like, why are we so like, you know, why can't someone become a warlord and have demand the fealty of the entire world? Like, why do we put limits on people's political power, but the economic mm. power seems like that's way off the table to touch or even or even talk about it? Like, cause no, like I, mean, I can tell the concept mm-hmm. seems crazy to you and it might be.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well, I do. I don't think there's an issue of some trillionaire being able to found their own military and, you know, take on the United States or whatever. I mean, they can't even people haven't even been able to do this in, in uh, developing countries yet. I mean, maybe maybe someday Jeff Bezos will, will conquer uh you know, conquer a country, and and uh, you know uh, the 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 uh, era of billionaire sovereignty will will uh, will come to effect. But so far, that's you know, so far that's pretty fantastic. Um, and they're already pretty rich, so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess there are yeah, there are keep getting richer, um, yeah. examples of people like uh, Class for Days just mentioned, Jeff Epstein, right? Who certainly was able to uh, skirt around the laws by virtue of being rich. Um, but I mean is that um is that an argument therefore that he should that that at a certain point if jeff epstein maybe didn't have i don't know how much money he had uh let, let's see what it says uh i'm just curious here jeff epstein I don't think he, was he, he
0: wasn't a billionaire was he
1: i don't know but you know let's see jeff epstein's net worth was okay so okay 500 million and 10 million a year right 10 million a year eh, that's a lot of money um I mean, is that is that like warlord money? I mean, is it possible that perhaps we've just got, uh, you know, we've got a system... some of these
0: guys from like the old Russian system who have pocketed like, you know, billions and billions yeah. and they seem to be yeah. untouchable. Like we try to, you know, um, you know, buy set mm-hmm. legislation to keep them from moving around and detract under mm-hmm. tax havens and they just set up new ones. And it seems like there's nothing we can do about it. Like if we had prevented that from happening in the first place, mm-hmm. well, it seems I mean, like it'd be smart policy. Yeah, because right. Again, we, we mm-hmm. agree that uh, individuals shouldn't have too much power. Mm-hmm. Because they use that to kind of dominate and fuck with things and skirt the rules and, you know, impose uh, restrictions on other people's freedoms and, and rights and, and welfare. So, like, I just, I, like again, it's a thought. Like like, what kind I, of restriction
1: I, huh? on freedom has uh, you know are these uh, billionaires kind of imposing on us?
0: Um, so. <laughs> well, you got me. Uh, <laughs> well, like, for, um,
1: the one that I typically hear is from conservatives when they talk about social media. And they say that Facebook is actually restricting our freedom of speech, you know, Um, Mm. uh, and Facebook or or Twitter or all these sites that are banning conservatives are restricting freedom of speech. Um, And I think you could maybe you can make an argument that there are some, you know, there are some lobbying interests out there that are actively um, are actively like anti freedom, like uh, private prisons, for example. Well, you go okay. Let's go back. Things to remain crimes for the sake of, uh, you know, but but I guess on the whole, I just am not really sure what.
0: You know, on the so, whole, that so, seems like
1: an exception rather than a rule.
0: So, so let's go back to, um, you know, we talked about uh, the, where the the tax rates have like gone up and up on the poor and, and down and down on the wealthy um, in the last 40, 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. To the extent that we, you know, the Constitution was, was one of the things that it was uh, ordained and established for is to promote the general welfare. If the wealthy have been using their power to beat those taxes down just to acquire mm-hmm. more wealth, then yeah. you can make an argument that. You know they have been depriving a lot of the population of that general you know of of, of that, that that the fair right to pursue life and liberty and happiness by
1: by doing what exactly like by buying by, like
0: by using by by using their 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 disproportionate wealth and power to acquire more wealth and power at the expense of uh the the poor segments of society
1: so um so your argument is that then to the extent somebody's getting rich if they're getting rich at the expense of others but like who um so like when Jeff Bezos I guess to go with a billionaire gets rich or Mark Zuckerberg is getting rich like who are they um like who are they uh getting rich at the expense of
0: uh, the, presumably, the people that would been, you know, that have uh, their uh, food stamps reduced, that have their welfare reduced, that have their unemployment reduced, that have had, you know, like the 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 nation has done nothing to do healthcare as our healthcare system has been transformed over the last forty years. Right, is it something? Yeah.
1: Is that like the is that the uh, fault of uh, you know, of like billionaires, or is that the fault of a reactionary That's Republican ex- Party movement that has made a, a large scale um, argument for decades now? In fact, before the age. of these large scale billionaires that that uh, welfare is disgusting and that individuals who receive it
0: are weak. Like, I mean, I, 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 but there's been big money behind that. That wasn't just like people in trailer parks, uh, you know, rabble rousing against these, these higher marginal tax rates. Right. Like I'll grant it. Like it's, it's a very radical, you know, far right Republican plan and plot against America, but like it has been carried out by people that have big microphone, big megaphones, as you say.
1: Yeah, I guess I I uh, I think that uh, uh, to the extent that there's like unequal treatment before the law then uh, yeah that should be remedied but I don't know that um I don't know that it is uh, uh that it is like uh, fated that that uh people who have more money um are you know invariably like immune to the law or or you yeah, so on.
0: No, I but um to the extent that you know again like this might be just me arguing for higher marginal t- tax because yeah, like that's well, something I think hey, we both can agree on. And
1: higher marginal tax rate to pay for uh, social welfare programs um, I think would be reasonable.
0: Because the think, harm is like you know, I'd argue is like unless you're arguing that like our schools are adequately funded, our health infrastructure is adequately funded, our safety yeah. nets are adequately funded, that that is a real harm that wealthy yeah. people have by and large disproportionately fostered yeah. upon the the not wealthy people.
1: Well, I would I would say this. I don't really um I don't really care about the fact that um some people have more money uh, than others. What I care about is the fact that you know if we have these essential services and they're not properly funded, and the only way to fund them uh you know realistically is to have higher taxes on the wealthy then we should have. Higher taxes on the wealthy as a matter of necessity, but not as a matter of like, uh, as a matter of, well, this is, uh, uh, this is inherently just, no, it's necessary. I mean, the same reason I think it's like taxation generally, right? I, uh, I, I am one of those people who views taxation fundamentally as a form of coercion. As many votes as you may have, there is still an element of coercion. There are still people out there who would not agree to pay taxes, uh, by any other way other than being forced to do so. Um, so there's still an element of coercion there, but it is Mm -hmm. necessary for, for, any society to exist, so um, so I'm uh, you know I'm interested like in inequality arguments that can empirically say okay there's a certain amount of social instability at a certain point of inequality and I can empirically demonstrate to you that there is more crime and on and on I'm kind of uh, interested you, in that if you, um, if you could really you know if you could demonstrate that then I'm kind of interested in that
0: but um, have you heard of a, a bow of the fifth column yeah I have what do you think of him.
1: Um, he seems he seems alright. I mean, I, I haven't uh, dug too deeply into. Him. He had a really he,
0: interesting because he yeah. I don't know. He he comes he comes across as like sometimes a pseudo military contractor, and I'm not sure how much he's full of shit and how much he's not. Yeah, I don't but know. he made a kind of a video about six seven months ago arguing that like mm-hmm. uh, you know there's a CIA handbook on how to destabilize a country, yeah. and essentially as you find a a segment of the society that's like fifteen percent is what you need uh, that feel like they're put upon and they're going to be super susceptible to propaganda and agitation. And to the extent that the only defense is to make sure those people don't feel marginalized and don't feel like there's an unequal system. That's like the defense against those dirty tricks. And he drew a a comparison between like an African-American population Mm -hmm. that like, you know, by us continuing to allow certain communities to uh, languish in in poverty and with uh, not as many opportunities uh, with with inferior schools, with uh, unsafe drinking water, that we are essentially it's a national security. Yeah. Issue, yeah, and to the extent yeah. that there is money aligned against that and saying, "Oh, it's too expensive; we can't fix it," then there, there is a. You know, again, I, I we probably don't have time to the tear into yeah. that, but I thought that was an interesting kind of like economic rationale for why we should. "Quote unquote," confiscate people more people's money and well, and I, and help the public with it.
1: Yeah, I would only say this. I am and uh, somebody just linked a uh, an article from the Economist saying the stark relationship between income inequality and crime. Uh, and I, the Economist is my favorite news source, so I'll be sure to check that out.
0: I'm a big um, fan too.
1: But I would say this. Um, I am uh, I am inclined to think, um, and maybe this article will change my mind. I'm inclined to think that if you have um, you know if you've achieved your uh, your basic standard of living uh, and and everybody in your society has a relatively comfortable life, then it doesn't so much matter what what uh, what people are making. Oh my God, Archivist, are you seriously saying favorite news source? Are you a Nazi because you like The Economist? That's ridiculous. Come on, <laughs> like um, I, that, that is so that is so. I, don't, I really don't know why you would go there. Say The Economist is a Nazi news source, or like you're a Nazi because The Economist is your favorite news source. Come on.
0: But I, i um, yeah, I, I mean, and I and I'm on I mean, the opposite. I still, I, I don't, I didn't quite get persuaded that like. Um, Maybe billionaires aren't a problem, but like there is a point where someone has so much money. And so much access to ma- ma- material goods and, mm. and, and personnel and, and other forms of power that it, they become essentially mini gods <laughs> and more powerful than the pharaohs of old. And is that like, did we work this hard to get a liberal, liberal democracy yeah. just to return to kind of some kind of like feudalism with extra steps to yeah. put in like a Rick and Morty terms?
1: Look, um, first of all, like our archivist just said, maybe not a Nazi, but at least capitalist. Yes, I will concede that I'm a capitalist and that is very <laughs> different than, than Nazi. But uh-huh. um, But yeah, Look, I get what you're saying. I don't. I just don't concede that in the United States we have um, we have pharaohs. I mean, ultimately, these people are still. Do we have to them?
0: wait until we get them until we try to get rid of them? Because those are really I mean, tough to get rid of. I mean,
1: I guess, but I don't think that we're on the path of um, like uh, private armies overpowering government and reinstituting slavery and things like that. I, I don't. Really you don't think have to nowadays
0: the There's like a softer ways to influence power. Yeah, uh, nation- but I
1: mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the same thing. Like again, I think that, for example, somebody who is putting out a message. That I agree with, for example, I mean, I don't mind that they you know, have a massive megaphone to do so. Like, for example, um, you know, people who argue for a more open society, more open immigration policy. I mean, look, I want that message to win. I think that's good policy. I think that will improve people's lives. And if some billionaire wants to spend $100 billion on it, okay, I think that's good. I think that's more good policy to make our country a better place. So frankly, it's very message dependent for me. But, um, Isn't yeah, that I mean, weird,
0: like, but what if it was the, the disparities were not so great to where, like, you know, either idea doesn't yeah. get overly amplified. And it's I, like I, yeah, I think there can, are bad
1: ideas and good ideas. I want good ideas to get amplified. And I want bad ideas to be, you know, to, to succeed or fail on their own merits. Hmm. You know, I don't I don't want like I don't want uh, conservatism to just get like by default an equal megaphone to like, uh, you know, my yeah. open uh, open society here because, you know, the government has said, well, all speech is equally valid and everybody's going to, you know, you're going to have the same limits for everybody's speech. Everybody's message is basically, you know, no, screw that. I want to be able to compete on the merits. Um, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really interested if- like in in. Uh, and that by default, um, because I think. That but but if one of the merits is the
0: money you can raise. It seems I don't know. It seems a like really bizarre. way to look at it. I mean,
1: that's one thing, I suppose you could think that's, uh, you know, you might think that's not the merits, that's a way of cheating the merits, or you might think that, well, if you persuaded somebody to support your idea, there might be something to it. Um, I guess that ultimately depends. I mean, the the Mercer's
0: like, the idea that you, like, you've got people that Mm -hmm. are kooky that have hundreds of millions of dollars that that are persuadable. Well, it seems a societal problem to me. Yeah,
1: I mean, but but you've also got, uh, you know, you've got, uh, if you've got, uh, you've got uh, movements out there, for example, that that take power on relatively threadbare budgets within competition. Leadership, like for example, the president's movement that swept to power without, uh, with com- with far less financial backing than Hillary Clinton, um, far less yeah, resources. But, now this time around, they've they've uh, they've raised a lot more money, so this time they're yeah. be much harder to uh, to deal with. But you know, but like, they were the they, they was, were the
0: Apollo they were the Apollo capsule on a Saturn rocket yeah. of rich people stupidity over the last thirty to fifty years, or not stupidity, like uh, bending yeah. American society to their yeah. will.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, maybe you can make that point, but I mean originally. Originally, Republicans um, of all stripes came out against Trump. But he had that base and he kept riding that base and the other Republicans Man, refused
0: to drop out What, and they, no what if they held strong? What if they held strong against him? What if they held, I, that's, I don't I, know like if
1: they had done what uh, what the Democrats did basically to Bernie where they just said okay well Biden's the only one who has a shot so we're all uniting behind him right now. Yeah maybe Trump yeah. would have lost and we'd have President Jeb right now who can say but um, you know I guess ultimately I think that would be a good thing if they had, if they had knocked Trump out. Like I don't think for example I don't think that uh, I don't think uh, it was a bad thing ultimately what happened in the Democratic primary i think that uh, people freely chose to leave because they wanted uh, one candidate to win i think it's a shame that that didn't happen in the republican primary in 2016 yeah. because then like you said maybe we would have had somebody who wasn't trump but unfortunately they uh, they all stayed in they all wanted their shot and uh, now we've got oh. president trump to show for it with his 30 yeah. percent base he rode to, he rode to victory in the republican primary
0: yeah, and I was I was, yeah. was pro Bernie, but you know I recorded a whole podcast about how like uh, you know we we lost fair and square. Like it's not a dirty trick that they did the the centrist united against them, and mm-hmm. you know we need to do more work persuading mm-hmm. if we want those policies to be popular and people to not be scared to back them. And yeah. uh, it's going to take yeah. many many years, probably mm-hmm. in the future, of, of that persuasion yeah. to, but, to uh, get an America that that is in a shape that yeah. I want it In yeah. I would
1: say as far as the as far as the uh, wealth inequality goes, um, yeah. to the extent that uh, the research. Shows that uh, that you have to have some limits at the top versus raising people up, then I would be interested in that. But I, I believe that I'm, i have to check into it, but I would be curious whether um, those effects stay if you raise everybody up rather than just dragging some people down.
0: I do think that like if everyone had, like if everyone in the world, for example, had like a solid middle-class lifestyle, there would be more of like good for Elon Musk with, yeah. you know, launching cars into space and good for X, Y, Z for having a hundred million dollar lot. Maybe I can work hard and over you know, next generation is my grandkids. But mm-hmm. when people are literally starving and dying because yeah. lack of medical care it's it's harder to be happy yeah. for those people so you're an atheist yeah i'm a i'm a racist atheist of rather recent vintage in the last mm-hmm. 10 15 years yeah did we as atheists fuck up by throwing the community bath or the community baby out with the the god bath water
1: uh, because like one
0: <laughs> of, one of the things i do on my so i got two podcasts on Swiss three right turns is political and then mm-hmm. uh, one weird trick what i do with my wife where we talk about relationship and community yeah. and society and like i've been thinking of like Man, wouldn't it be cool if we could found a secular religion? And, and mm-hmm. my idea is to found it on Fred Rogers. <laughs> he's our he, he's our spiritual leader, and yeah. and like he's like the antichrist because he's a he's a man that aspired to be, you know, God, you know, as, as close to God as he understood it, and and fully consistent in his beliefs, and yeah. and did it as a practice, not as a guy who was just born perfect. He worked at it. He worked very hard. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I can get the. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I can get the Fred Rogers estate to go along with me wanting to founding a religion based on him. Sure. Um, but like I do, I, I'm, I don't like, I don't like to get up on Sunday morning any more than anybody else does, but man, it was nice to get, go into a big building with people who you knew, like you had disagreements, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was nice. Like as a Jehovah's witness, it was a cult, oh, yeah. but like yeah, I could go I to any country in the world, show them a watchtower mm-hmm. and they would give me their wallet. They would give me a place to stay. They would, you know, um, what can we do as secular people to encourage some kind of community because i think we need it and that's why one of the reasons we're getting badly out organized
1: yeah so i there is that spiritual thirst among uh, among a lot of people um i don't know sometimes i wonder if maybe i channel that out through kind of the ceaseless patriotism like maybe that's my way of expressing that need to to be a part of something greater um, I think about that rally around the flag.
0: Yeah. I can yeah see that.
1: Like maybe that's, maybe that's an element of it. Um,
0: you we know, have to I go, mean, we have to, we'd have to start pushing back against this thin blue line and skull yeah, Punisher flags and punish yeah, like that. Yeah.
1: I mean, once I that's do, mean, gross. yeah, I mean, I know there are people out there who say, you know, I don't like any nationalism or whatever, but I think that once you throw it out altogether, um, any, I mean, you're basically, I think throwing out any hope of political change, political power, because I think every successful movement in this country has, has uh, maybe not wrapped itself in the flag, but certainly uh, uh, waved the flag um, to make progress. And, and I, I think have called on us to live up to our ideals rather than said, you know, abandon your ideals and try something new. Um, so, uh, I think you're absolutely right, Pukman. You got to value the nation, value changing it. Good point. An archivist mentioned the civil rights era. Um, yeah, civil rights era. I mean, I think you know Martin Luther King, for example, uh, called on people. Even his letter to Birmingham Jail, where he you know railed against white moderates, he called on them to live up to their highest uh, you know ideals. He cited Jefferson. Jefferson, of course, also the man who who held uh, you know perhaps the uh, if not the biggest slaveholder, one of the biggest slaveholders of the founding fathers. But you know this is also the man that wrote the Declaration of Independence and who uh, contributed a great deal to the progress. Of, of human freedom as well, um, you know, despite his own uh, uh, engagement in, in, in some of the highest deprivations of that freedom. So um, I guess I would say that there does, I, I do acknowledge that that hunger. I just don't know that um, the attempts to kind of create um, open alternatives to it, like this is a secular church, I don't know that they have really, um, I don't know that they
0: Kind of the atheist, orga- the atheist organizations in my neck of the woods are pretty uh, mm, like, no. I, like like, like, they, they do, like here's what, the, here's their big idea of, of a social action mm-hmm. pro- you, you know, I, I'm from uh, southeastern Ohio and Cincinnati, yeah. right across the the river, there's the uh, ARC experience and the Creation Museum <laughs> uh, my, my <laughs> local atheist groups love to get protests along the highway where they hold up, they get 30, 40 of them, they hold up signs and they, pro yeah. like what the hell? what yeah. is that doing for society or community? The why are we why experience. are we beating this? Why are we beating this dead horse?
1: Yeah, the arc experience is seriously I'm talking about some bad government right there Just Dude, build- it's <laughs>
0: fucked. it's so fucked
1: like if somebody if some billionaire wanted to build the arc experience on their own, okay, but it was there was some government involvement in the construction. A lot, right
0: a lot and guess um, what it's not paying off
1: yeah I believe that <laughs> I mean surprisingly enough, right um but You know, that uh, that uh, that's kind of an interesting point, too, about uh, about money and politics. Money and politics does seem to be a good way to uh, to get your fingers into the public treasury to um, to be able to spend, you know, to basically spend government money instead of your own money. But, um,
0: yeah, it is wild that there's these 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 private clubs that have a lot of political power. that get like Mm -hmm. these massive tax advantages. And, you know, we uh, we have no. We have no counterpoint to that on, on the this side of the political mm-hmm. equation or the well, belief divide.
1: I think um I think you are right to say that that you've got to start with uh with a coherent set mm-hmm. of ideas for sure. But you know, as far as as far as replacing think tanks and things like that. Yeah. But um as far as uh as far as uh <laughs> secular alternatives go i don't know i guess it's really got to be a matter of being for something rather than just against something right i mean religion in this country this country used to be sort of a uh, sort of an exception among developed countries for its religiosity right but that Mm -hmm. started to take a turn in the i think with the rise of evangelicals in government um and now you know i remember when i was a kid I, i thought of um you know i'm 32 I remember when I was a kid, I thought of religion as kind of its own thing. Now, when I think of um, at least the Christian religion, um, yeah. I certainly think of the Republican Party like like this. You know, like they're... Mm. they're. I don't really think about religion as... You know, I guess apart from maybe, you know, from black churches. Um, for the most part, though, I imagine Christianity to be kind of a Republican thing now, which I just don't think was previously the case in American life, mm. in which I think has served to really... Um, do you well, abortion is, the is a religion in this country.
0: Abortion is such a great wedge issue because, yeah. like you know, we had the Catholics uh, solidly on the side of the left, broadly speaking, mm-hmm. left of center politics, mm-hmm. and then when the abortion issue became a wedge issue. Uh, all those natural, you know, pro, uh, pro labor, pro union, yeah. uh, pro social justice, uh, got uh, like you know wholesale switched to the other side, and mm-hmm. it's it's tough mm-hmm. to recover. I wish there was a way to make some kind of grand bargain where those of us on the left would like stop trying to grab people's guns, and those on the right mm-hmm. would leave everyone's uterus alone. Could we just like trade mm-hmm. those chips?
1: Yeah, like, is there a way to trade?
0: <laughs> like okay, like like a meet at meet at the borders. Yeah. Uh, okay, you, you uh, 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 abortion rights start marching towards the. other side of the bridge, uh, gun rights start marching to and we exchange and we get in our, you know Is yeah, that a way to do that? I think the
1: pragmatism involved is so uh, is just so unpopular, like when I talk yeah. about abortion, for example I hold, I think, a, a very uh, a position that really satisfies nobody, which is that I do believe that abortion is the taking of a human life, but I think that the notion that you can get rid of it by um, by just banning it is uh, is pretty hopeless. And my go to example is the country that tried to do that, communist Romania, where it basically involved the creation of a police state. And I'm just not willing to sacrifice that much yeah. of my freedom. Or you know, if I was a woman, I certainly wouldn't be willing to sacrifice that much of my freedom for the sake of uh, for the sake of uh, you know for the sake of uh, uh, unborn babies. Um, yeah. But you know, beyond that, though, I do think that if you really care about the issue, then you should you know you should say okay, well, the best The best way to, uh, the best way to uh, minimize abortion is through, I think, a variety of social programs and make, uh, make having a baby less of a terrifying prospect. And therefore, you know, the rates would, would come down. But, um, yeah, I mean, also I think what you're saying, like that kind of bargain requires people saying, um... You know that their gun rights—you uh, know, like gun rights, for example—are a lot of people who would not be willing to negotiate on that either. That's and that's, you know, that would say that's specifically in the Constitution, whereas abortion is only—you know—you only can read it into the Constitution. But it's not really a constitutional right to the same degree. I
0: don't know. Do you think? Do you think we screwed up also by getting away from like constitutional amendments? Because it seems like a lot of the the reason we're still litigating some of this stuff, like abortion and guns, is because we and, haven't we haven't actually done any legislation for so like multiple generations on it. Like there, we've done it through the courts. We've done it through, you know, uh, like, like of course, you know, the reason we do it is because it's like freaking hard to amend the constitution.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think uh, it's easy. For example, I think that um, I'm not sure that you really could read gay marriage into the U S constitution, but at the same time, um, like if I if I thought all the arguments were there, but it just wasn't in the Constitution, I freely concede that it would be very hard to say. Well, you know what? Yeah, I know this is all arbitrary, and if we were reading the Constitution today, it would seem like an absolutely ridiculous arbitrary distinction. But you know, when it was written in 1780, uh, you know, 1789, I think is the year it goes into effect. Well, you know, that's just the way it was read, and we haven't changed the text since then. So you know, it is what it is. I mean, I think that is probably the more. I think that's probably the proper way to read the law. So on the one hand, I I am skeptical of the decision. But on the other hand, I absolutely agree with the result and – you're I me
0: are you saying do you think that like the the constitutional argument for um uh overriding the bans on gay marriage it doesn't hold water?
1: I think it's I think you could certainly argue that it's not a matter like that when the constitution like I think you certainly argue that the constitution was not amended and therefore how could it certainly gay marriage was not something the Founding Fathers envisioned in being as being protected by the Constitution. So how can you imagine that in, in twenty fifteen when the decision I think came out that okay, well, I the Constitution actually act. did say this. I mean, I I understand that argument. It's just that I, because I agree with the result, I I can't imagine saying, you know what, uh, you people just kind of uh, get fucked. Uh, government keep is allowed to keep oppressing you because uh, you know of my way of reading the Constitution. I mean, I freely concede that it is super hard to resist uh. the temptation to make the right decision. Um, I think from any, any matter of like belief in individual freedom, um, I I imagine it's really hard to say, you know what, Um, uh, screw individual freedom because uh, we've got to interpret the Constitution in a consistent fashion that's a hard, that's a really hard argument. To I make. thought it
0: came down to like a full faith and credit. Like, you know, like if you get gay married in California, then you move to Alabama. Yeah. Alabama can't say that you're not yeah. married. I believe that so. was
1: already in effect at the time, but Alabama could still refuse its own. To uh, recognize you know, marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it could still, re- I it couldn't, I don't think it could refuse other States licenses. This is my field of expertise here. I'm speaking mm-hmm. on, but I don't think it could refuse other States licenses. I think it was just that um, it, uh, it, it uh, could refuse to grant its own licenses. So, um, you know, but anyway, I, uh, I think that's a, I think that's a tough argument to make when you're talking about a compelling issue of individual liberty, um, you know, uh, but that being said, um, uh, that being said, I think the reason that that happens is like Kemp Soldier 88 says, that's not a hard argument to make. Congress needs to do their jobs and not rely on the courts. Well, uh, no uh, less a, uh, a, uh, a bleeding heart liberal than Antonin Scalia said very plainly, look, it is very hard to amend the Constitution. It is now uh, to the point where about two to three percent of the United States uh, population could block a constitutional amendment if they wanted to. So you need more than you need a more ironclad majority than that. And folks, that is, as Justice Scalia said, that's a little too hard. Right. I agree. It should be hard to amend the Constitution, but I think our amendment process probably should be reconsidered so that uh, constitutional amendments are are a little easier to do. Um, but right now, it's so uh, exceedingly difficult to do. It's just not really,
0: not really practical
1: I'd... for any real reform. Like the last amendment that went through, I think, was um, the 27th, which was like Congress doesn't get a pay raise until um, at <laughs> least one election. Right. And that, yeah. in addition to being a very pitifully but like that matters so little. It also is one of those yeah. things nobody disagrees with. So,
0: yeah. By the time you amend the constitution to something, it seems like it's a, it'd be way, it's almost, it's, yeah. it'd be settled law. I would love that. If we ever had another conversation, love to talk about like, uh, you know, ways like political reform and like ways we can, you know, yeah. de-ossify some of these systems. Yeah. Uh, Cause I know it's a, it's a complicated, engine and you start sticking you know wrenches in these gears and that like a lot of people i like, just throw over the electoral college to get rid of this uh redo the reapportionment act and it's like i would really love to get in the weeds about like the pros and cons of some of that stuff too at some point
1: yeah for sure um i think that would be uh, i think it would be quite interesting
0: thanks so much to bastia for hosting our discussion and carving out some time to be on three right turns In my free time, I've actually started doing a performance review of this debate, uh, taking notes and trying to figure out where my wins and losses were. If that sounds like something to be interesting to you, check out SwizzBull's YouTube page, which I've also linked in the show notes. By the way, if you do check that out, please subscribe to keep up with our new video content. Plus, we really need like 100 subs so we can get a nice YouTube URL that doesn't look like 256 characters of just hot garbage. So if you can help out in that regard, I'd really appreciate it. Again, please check out the show notes if you want to see and hear more Bastia. But briefly, his channel is twitch.tv slash Bastia. His Twitter is EverydayBastia. He streams several times a week, breaking down political and judicial news and opinions, and is probably brawling in a nine-person Discord debate as we speak. Check him out. I think we'll be chatting again at some point in the future. So if you enjoyed this one, be on the lookout for round two sometime to come. After you've heard it, how do you think I did? Let me know at 3 right turns at swizzbold.com. There's also a discussion thread for each and every podcast at reddit.com slash r slash swizzbold. I'll be back next week as Swizzbold puts out two podcasts in one week. It's a first for Swizzbold. Cecily and I will be sharing some life hacks and giving life advice over a one weird trick. And I'll be back with some more fresh political thought on 3 Right Turns. If you love what we're doing here at SwizzBold, please check out our page at patreon.com swizzbold. Our independent podcasts are 100% supported by you, the listener. You get cool custom Reddit flair, access to our bonus content, and suggest topics and raise questions for our monthly live stream with me, Jim, and Cecily, which is coming up real soon. It's looking like it's going to be uh, sometime in the evening of probably June 4th or 5th. We'll have the exact date nailed down on Patreon early this week. On that note, I'd like to personally thank all of our Fred Level patrons, Arvin Rao, Laura Luthi, George P. Burdell, Kira Grusho, Jared Harrelman, Mark Hahn, Greg Rasp, and Angelo Morano. Thank you very much. We couldn't do it without you. See you all back next week. And until then, happy Memorial Day. And as we honor the memory of our fallen soldiers, I'd encourage everyone to reflect on the principles and ideals that these men and women died for honestly appraise whether our country is living up to those standards, and think about what we personally can do to realign those as necessary. On a related note, don't forget to check your voter registration status at vote411.org because deadlines for the general are fast approaching in many states. Have a great week!